Hello, thanks for downloading this episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. I just want to let you know ahead of time that this is actually a remixed episode. Uh, basically, in the early days of the podcast, episodes 15 and 17 were our big Christopher Nolan retrospective. It was a two-part episode where we talked about Christopher Nolan's movies and what he means to us, all that stuff. But what I did with that episode was I cut it together in the style of Memento. So basically we did... We recorded it chronologically, and then I edited it and put all the discussions in reverse order. So in honor of our next episode, which is our big interstellar um, review, which we actually just recorded at the time of this recording, um, and we went on for 90 minutes all about the movie, and it was a really good discussion. So in honor of that, I decided to recut our Nolan retrospective into chronological order, um, so this is a big episode, a huge, huge episode, because it is two episodes put together. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to listen to it, cool. If not, we have plenty of other episodes for you, um, uh, including the Nolan Retrospective in Reverse Order, episodes 15 and 17. You can find all the episodes at obsessive or, or ovpodcast.com or anywhere else you find podcasts. Um, like iTunes or Stitcher. So, anyway, just wanted to give you a heads up. Thanks for downloading, and hope you enjoy our Nolan retrospective from last year in chronological order. And check out the Interstellar episode dropping later this week. So, thanks for listening, guys. Mike, why don't you share with us... Uh, some of your thoughts about the work of Christopher Nolan. Sure, uh, and I also want to say for starters that I'm I look how far we've come in a season, right? It's good. I'm surprised we didn't do a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next season. Yeah, right. maybe. Um. Well, my first, uh, I guess, my first real introduction to Chris Nolan as a director was probably Memento in college. Yes. Now, that's not to say I didn't first see Batman Begins in theaters, but I saw it because it was a Batman movie, not because it was a Chris Nolan movie. And I and I guess in the same sense, I didn't see Memento because it was a Chris Nolan movie. I saw it because our our film teacher said that that's what we're going to watch. Right. Um I remember I was very excited for you to see it, and I was very excited to see it in in class. You were, and rightfully so. I loved it. I yes. loved it immediately. And that and that's kind of when I kind of when I was aware of this uh, Chris Nolan guy. And it, I'm trying to... I can't place exactly when we watched it, but was it after the release of Batman Begins on DVD? Um, it was. It was. Yeah. It was second semester. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the Batman Begins DVD came out in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had even watched Batman Begins again just for the Batman-ness of it, which <laughs> I loved. I, I love that movie. So... But anyway, it was after I watched the the DVD of Batman Begins, and then I saw Memento, and and fell in love, uh, fell in love immediately. And it was I just I couldn't wait for uh, for uh, the Dark Knight, which I guess was a ways down the way. So so I saw the Prestige after that, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very good. Uh, Tiny, why don't you share with us your feelings toward Christopher Nolan and how you came about uh, being a fan of his? Sure. Um, I, I think I first became a fan, uh, much much like Mike did, was when I saw Memento. Um, but I saw it substantially earlier than Mike did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that movie came out in I don't know, 2001 or two, maybe. Yeah. Um, anyways, I 2000, saw it. 2000, sorry. 2000, okay, okay. Um, 
I think I saw it probably in O two or O three. Uh, oh wow! And you know, at the time I was young. Um, I was just a freshman or a sophomore in high school, so uh, I, that's kind of a point in my life where I was sort of really developing my taste in movies, I guess. Because, um, you know, you, you have favorite movies from when you were a kid, but I think that's just kind of how you were when you were a kid. It's not really indicative of how you're going to like movies when you're an adult. and mm-hmm. That's just like kind of a point in my time where I was really getting into... I was starting to watch, you know, Kubrick movies and old older movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that i was i was just starting to develop a, a taste and i think memento was kind of instrumental in that because it it's so unique that most people including seasoned seasoned film buffs had never really seen anything like it before mm-hmm. uh and so that's kind of how i felt about it it was really influential on me nice. so that's that's the first time i discovered nolan and um <clears throat> i'd say the way i view him is i think he's I view him as actually an important person because uh, that might that might sound kind of weird, but I think every every generation, at least for the past half century or so, has probably kind of I don't know viewed a certain filmmaker as kind of representative of their generation, and I feel like Christopher Nolan could really be that for us, for for people like us who kind of have come of age during his we've come of age as people during the same time that he's come of age as a filmmaker and he, he can be very, yeah, he can be very representative of our huh. generation in my opinion. So it's, it's also interesting. It's also interesting that you discovered him in high school mm-hmm. while, uh, and we're the, we're all the same age. We, I discovered him in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting perspective because I, I agree with that he is important to our generation. But in 2001, I was kind of uh, I was getting into Quentin Tarantino, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? that and that was kind of where I developed uh, a love for for film in the way I do now. Okay, and, and caring about who directed it was probably after I saw Pulp Fiction. Right. Huh. Yeah, that's a uh, Quentin Tarantino is a good starting point, I guess, for any any film buff. But um, that's interesting, Tiny about. Uh, I, I like the way that you describe that being that we're uh, come of we've come of age as 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 movie buffs in mm-hmm. with the with the either coincidental or accidental insurgence of or, uh, or insistence of Nolan's work or if it's directly responsible if he's directly responsible for it. It's an interesting viewpoint. It's not one I'd really considered. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Uh, um. As for me, my first experience with Nolan was also Memento and also in high school. Um, I remember I'd, I'd heard about it because this is, like, like Tiny said, this is when I started kind of cultivating my, my movie fandom. Like I was, I was coming of age as a, as a movie buff is uh, the best way to describe it. Kudos to Tiny. Um, and, and, well, I, never mind. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'd heard. It's like a family show. Yeah. So I, uh, at the time, I was I was like kind of browsing the IMDb message boards, basically just soaking up anything, any discussions of movies that I could. Um, and I just heard whispers about this Memento movie. It's like, oh, it's this, it's this amazing movie. It's it's a high concept uh, noir movie that's told in reverse, and it's it's very 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 interesting and very uh, spectacular. Um, 
so I just saw it on uh, <laughs> it was on it was on like HBO or something, and this was like two thousand one two thousand two, and I recorded or I don't know if I recorded it because I don't know if DVR was a thing yet, but I watched <laughs> it like it was like three a.m. I think, and I just watched it and I was just like I was blown away and ever and then then I heard that he was making uh 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 the Batman, and I was just like all right. Okay, I, and like, and it was interesting because when I went to see Batman Begins, I didn't, I didn't expect much because I felt like he was, I almost felt, and this is blasphemous, but if I felt like he was kind of cashing in on it, like, okay, he made it, he made his art movie with Memento, and uh, I didn't know about Insomnia yet, but um, I was just like, I was just like, okay, well, that's kind of a weird choice, but maybe he's just going mainstream and. <laughs> As as we'll discuss, he, he it's not mainstream. Um, yeah. Not at least, it's not the cash yeah, in that I, I expected it to that. be. It's not a cash in. It's that's what I meant. Mainstream. Yeah, yeah, but, that, but yeah. that's what I meant. It wasn't a it wasn't a cash in. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Joel Schumacher Batman. It was sure. he he left <laughs> his mark and he's continuing to leave his mark on film and everything. Um, so next up, I wanted to talk about theater experiences um because i i like to i like to talk about how i've seen every nolan movie except for following an insomnia in a theater and i mean it's just done the same really i'm pretty sure i've done the same yeah nice okay so not intentionally not to seek out right right no i didn't intentionally do that until uh uh the prestige probably um so like with me i I mean, like, well, we've talked about it before, but um, Inception was a memorable experience just because kids were being obnoxious in the theater and it was crowded. But um, then we've also talked about The Dark Knight Rises. Midnight viewing was just really spectacular. And, of course, Memento seeing it at college was really cool. But I want to mention just briefly The Prestige. It was funny because I saw it, like, I barely made it to, like, a like an eight o'clock showing at a dollar theater, a second run theater and all that. And then mm-hmm. I just kind of left the theater kind of, kind of felt, it, it felt like a Nolan movie, but that was, it was just, it was just like, that's what I noticed. Like, okay, I'm seeking this guy's work out. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, because I, I raced to go see it and all that. And then granted it was late and it's theatrical run, but still, I mean, it was still significant. Uh, Mike, theater experience any memorable ones uh mm-hmm. besides memento <laughs> well um we've talked before about how big of a comic book fan is so i think the only movie that i've seen of nolan that i went to see because it's a nolan movie is uh is inception nice. right uh, interesting all all of the others are because i love batman and i want to see <laughs> i mean i appreciate chris nolan and i appreciate what he did for uh something of which i'm a fan Mm -hmm. but i i went because it's a batman movie and i would have gone no matter who directed it right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i i went to man of steel even though Zack snyder directed it (laughs) um so i went to see inception because it was chris nolan i remember seeing the trailers and just saying i have no idea what that's about (laughs) but i'm gonna see it anyway yeah (laughs) and of course of course i was floored i I saw it with a with a girl that I was dating, and I dated briefly, mm-hmm. uh, and she didn't get a lot of it. Uh-huh. But I saw I saw it with a friend and fellow nerd, uh, and he and I were just 
just laughing and and appreciating every every wow factor nice scene in the entire movie um so i left the movie with two overwhelming feelings holy crap that was amazing and <laughs> holy crap i gotta get out of this relationship <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah thanks christopher nolan yeah <laughs> uh, tiny how about you um like you said we've talked about uh, inception and dark knight rises and stuff um but I actually, I think another noteworthy experience I had with uh, Nolan in the theater was actually Batman Begins. Um, I I didn't necessarily boycott that movie, but I just didn't, I just didn't even, I don't know, it wasn't even on my radar, that, that first Nolan Batman movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about it, um, didn't know anything about it. Well, were I thought, you... Sorry to interrupt. I know this is your signal. No, that's cool. But I was significantly more concerned with Star Wars Episode Three that summer. Really, <laughs> really. You know, that's, so it was it was like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Oh yeah, there's a Batman movie out. Yeah, nice. that's probably what it was with me too. But uh, yeah, I just it wasn't on my radar at all. I thought I thought it was actually a continuation of the the Schumacher uh-huh. movies and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I just didn't pay attention to it. It wasn't really something that was on my radar. And so I actually saw it at like a like a second chance theater or something so it was like it was it was out of theaters basically mm-hmm. and it had been out of theaters for a month probably and it was just at this you know this last chance theater or whatever and i saw it with a, a girlfriend as well <clears throat> and she had seen it and she's like yeah it's really good i was like all right yeah we can watch it and i watched it sat down watched it really liked it loved it and then at the end, it said directed by Christopher Nolan, and I was like, "What?" I had <laughs> I, I, that's how that's how off my radar it was. I didn't even know that Christopher Nolan had directed it, and I just remember sitting there thinking, like, "This guy is going to be huge," because yeah. I I had I had watched Memento and loved it, and I had watched uh, Insomnia and thought it was pretty good, mm-hmm. and then he comes out of nowhere and makes this huge blockbuster big budget movie and it's fantastic i was like this guy is just he's so versatile this guy's gonna go places mm-hmm. and I, uh, I think i think that was the movie that kind of that kind of solidified that opinion for me that's awesome i'm i'm jealous that you guys got in so early because i <laughs> i surely saw chris nolan's name in the credits and thought absolutely nothing of it in fact i think that's how you sold memento to me matt yeah this is the, this is the guy who did batman begins right right hmm yeah, and I'll, having said that, I'll uh, or since you brought up Memento again, um, I think just just for crediting reasons, I think the first time I saw Memento, I'm almost positive that I borrowed your DVD, Matt. <laughs> Probably that's the first time. That's the first time I ever saw it. So I think that was one of those things where I feel like you in- introduced me to Fight Club, and in right. return, I I interest in, uh, introduced you to uh, Memento. Mm, which, who's the better friend? I don't know. We should duke it out, like in Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> Actually calls back to us uh, talking about how, like, Tiny's a, just a part of my subconscious. Oh, yeah. Uh, Up in our, in our earlier episodes. <laughs> that's right. Call back. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, so that, that's good. That's good. Um, yep. Yeah, I... And next, I, I wanted to talk about, like, where you guys see Nolan going... Uh, going forward after after he's finished the Dark Knight trilogy mm-hmm. he's working on Interstellar now I want to get your guys' thoughts on where he's going as a director where do you see him going from here okay um, 
I'm yeah. I'm glad that you say as a director and and you make that qualification because I I was going to say we all know that he's a producer mm-hmm. you know working working with Warner Brothers uh, and he's a producer on the Superman movies to come and I and I assume all of the Justice League stuff coming I, up I I actually don't think so um, okay is I think he in, is he involved in Superman versus Batman I don't think so um, I think that he just did. Uh, Honestly, honestly, part of me thinks that they just got him for Man of Steel just to get his name. Um, okay. but I think yeah. so. It, it didn't yeah. feel very much like him. No. Okay. Well, because that's what I was going <clears> to <throat> talk about. So that okay. that's kind of a breath of fresh air, right? Because I think I think the part of the reason why they got um, Ben Affleck is to get him as producer and all that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, where do you see uh, Christopher Nolan's future um, as a filmmaker? Um, Mike? Oh, the sky's the limit. I mean, we, we know Interstellar is coming out. Uh, I know very little about Interstellar, and I'm kind of keeping it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think really, Nolan's kind of keeping it that way as well. He, well, sure, <laughs> of course. Of course, he, he does He does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, again, as the superhero fan, my favorite work of his is, is the Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. So while I'm excited to see what he'll do in the future and and to see him do original uh original work I'm I'm going to miss his fingers all over my favorite superheroes. You know, <laughs> I I'll rather than looking forward to what he is going to do, I'll just dream of the Spider-Man movie directed by Chris Nolan. Oh, you know what I mean? Interesting. <laughs> okay. Cool. I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh Tiny, what about you? Where do you see Christopher Nolan's future as a as a filmmaker? Um, Mike said that you know the sky's the limit, and I completely agree. He's he's one of the like I said, I think he's I think he's literally important to to the film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the sky is the limit, but I don't think he needs to reach for the sky on every <laughs> single film. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I feel about it. Because since since Batman Begins. Uh, everything he's made has been a pretty big budget, huge blockbuster. True. Yeah. It, it's, uh, the Prestige, maybe not, but it was still a pretty big movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think he's he's continuing that with Interstellar. It's probably going to be a pretty big release. But I, I honestly I would I wouldn't mind him going back to doing something like Memento again or Insomnia, kind of a low hmm. lower budget, lower scale, uh, just kind of a straightforward movie. Um, <laughs> just develop some characters, just something something kind of simple again just 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 to see just to see that side of him again uh i I have i have no problem if he makes another 10 inceptions you know 10 more huge budget movies that make 500 million dollars i have no problem with that but i just think it would be an interesting exercise as a filmmaker to see him to see him do that Mm -hmm. interesting yeah Yeah. i I agree with that i just i just want to kind of bust your balls for a second but i thought it was funny that you referenced memento you said memento and um wow what phrase did you straightforward straight straightforward forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that's that's not very accurate yeah, but i mean with nolan i think you know what i, yeah. you know what I meant like, yeah with nolan nothing budget. is really that straightforward true um, but that, that's interesting um i'll tell you where i where i kind of see him headed um like we said he's he's working on interstellar right now it's filming um Despite my best efforts, I can't find out where they're filming, or I can't crash the set. But anyway, oh, they're not—they're <laughs> not filming in space. Oh, man, dang it! All right, well, I got to cancel that lunch with Elon Musk. I thought. Um, 
Thanks for ruining the illusion. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kidding. no, and I, like, I mean, with Interstellar, I was, I'm just amped that he's doing a space movie because, I mean, ever since the zero, zero G hallway fight with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and in, in Inception, I was like, he needs to make a space movie like right now. Mm. To, to reference <laughs> earlier in the podcast, that was when I said we laughed at, at scenes in Inception, my friend mm-hmm. and I, when we saw it. That was the scene that was just so awesome. The only emotion we could muster was laughter. Oh, yeah. Like like Agreed. giddy with excitement after, after that scene. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I, the, thing that, the thing I find interesting about Interstellar is, um, and I'll, I'll talk about it later um, and more in depth later, but the thing I find interesting is that they released, or they said... They set the release date early in the like in the spring, but they or they set the release date this spring, uh, but the release date is November of next year, which I thought was interesting, and I feel like maybe this is just me reaching for um, something, but I'm hoping that that's supposed to be indicative of them, of at least Nolan trying to trying to shift his shift his um stature as a filmmaker from the summer blockbuster to maybe a legitimate um uh oscar worthy award season award season guy Um, well i would i would agree with you Mm -hmm. and i think he deserves to be an oscar guy in fact when i uh stopped taking the oscars seriously was when he (laughs) wasn't even nominated for dark knight that's another conversation altogether right but um (laughs) you got to remember that thanksgiving weekend in november is pretty freaking blockbuster I mean, this year, it, like every year, we get a Twilight. We got a Twilight movie. Uh, this year is a Hunger Games. It's becoming it's becoming pretty big as well. That's for, true. For and is it good point? Movies. Is it going to be released on Thanksgiving weekend? No, I don't okay. know that. I, I just assume if you have a movie opening in November, it's that kind of, especially a movie called Interstellar with the cast that it has. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a sounds like a Thanksgiving weekend movie. Okay. Hmm. Could be. Yeah, I'm still gonna hold out hope that he's going to uh, be. It's gonna be a push for award season because a, I love I love sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. and I I just want I want a sci-fi movie that will be considered for awards and maybe Gravity will be that actually. But um, mm-hmm. I hope that I and I hope that he just I hope that he becomes he has. Not that there's anything wrong with directing blockbusters or anything, but I just feel like he has so much more talent than that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's evident in all of his Batman movies and mm-hmm. um, just the, the, the everything about his his style. And he's, he's, you say he has more talent than, than blockbusters? I say that he is worthy of shifting to awards caliber work. I... Th- Okay, I agree, but I think I think the great thing about Nolan is his ability to blend them, and I think right. that's why we love him because because they are huge, huge blockbuster movies that we think are deserving of award quality, and a lot of people do. I mean, mm-hmm. when he was snubbed at the Oscars, a lot of people cried foul. I think that's the awesome balance. So I don't, I mean, I don't care when he releases his movies. <laughs> I, I think they're going to be awesome, and I think eventually he will be considered for. Uh, for the major awards. I hope so. But in, in as, as a quick addendum to that or whatever, um, when, when you say that he's a perfect blend of it, I, I, I can't 
necessarily fully agree with you because I love Inception, and uh, I'll talk about that when we discuss it, but mm-hmm. I, I love Inception to death, but we've mentioned this before, but he's it was made for a blockbuster audience. It was made for a summer audience, but the plot was... Okay, yeah, too, and we'll talk about that later. You're yeah, right. it was too complex for a blockbuster audience, and because of that, the film suffered slightly. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more in depth when we talk about uh, Inception, but I but feel like Dark Knight suffer at all? I mean, I think Dark Knight is a pretty near-perfect movie. I absolutely agree. Oh, it's absolutely a near-perfect movie, but yeah. it didn't have the intricate plot, or it didn't have the... It no, didn't have the intricacies right. it had of barely any plot, but that's <laughs> you know that's uh, the movie. it. Did, it didn't have the intricate world, yeah, the whole new universe essentially, yeah, because yeah. half of Inception was explaining Inception, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah. Any closing thoughts on on Nolan? Is oh, I wanted to mention, uh, and I would hope I would hope that he makes a Bond movie. <laughs> oh, awesome! I would love that. Yeah, I know that he's. I know that he's a huge Bond fan. Um, I just feel like it would be amazing to see him do it. Not that Sam Mendes needs to be dispatched from the franchise at all by any means, because I loved Skyfall. Mm-hmm. But I hope that he gets a crack at it at some point. Agreed. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, any any parting thoughts on Nolan? Um, just looking looking forward to Interstellar. Yeah. Can't yeah. wait. Nice. All right, well, let's get cracking on actually talking about his movies individually. Uh, Awesome. All right. So first up is Christopher Nolan's debut movie, which is uh, Following, um, a little independent movie. Um, uh, Yeah, a little 70-minute independent movie about a man who likes to follow people. Um, Yeah, it was really short. It was. It was very short. And, uh, Mike, you just recently watched it for, like, the first time, right? I did. I watched it, uh, um, I don't know, four days ago mm-hmm. f- uh, in terms of, like, when we recorded this podcast. So, uh, you know, right. f- a-, a week ago or so. Okay. What'd you, what did you think of it? I liked it a lot. Um, I, <laughs> I was kind of busy, so, like, I put it on and... <laughs> So lame. I kind of like worked out while I was watching it and kind of had my eye on it. And then I sat down at the computer and and then finally got into it a little more uh, mm. as it went on. But I was a little thrown. I, I kind of had to pause and look to see uh, like who these three guys were that kind of looked the same. And it, <laughs> and it mm-hmm. wasn't until I, you know, read up on it and realized they were the same guy. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. Nice. I, cool. I liked it. Quite a bit too. It's kind of my go-to thing whenever I t- tell people about it is that you can see, you can see the the inner workings of Nolan's like genius or the early, the early, the early parts of his of his of his brilliance. Yeah, exactly. In terms of plotting and, and everything, and it's um, it's interesting to note that this was the first. This this is one of only two of his movies that are actual, just completely original to him, mm-hmm. um, because like Memento is based on a story that he's that his brother wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, the Prestige is based on a book, and and did he um, write Inception by himself? He did. Okay, he did. I, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, he did. Um, yeah, and it's just it was. Um, 
it, it was a good flick. It was a good flick and a good. It's always fun to watch watch filmmakers in their early days uh, when they're still kind of rough around the edges. It kind of reminds me of Darren Aronofsky's uh, Pie, which um, I don't like. This is far superior to Pie. Eh, in my okay. I'm either or on it. I, I've only seen Pi once. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that in so long. But yeah, Tiny, what did you think of Following? Yeah. Um, I liked it as well. I think it's a movie that's kind of once you get past the the feel of it. I think it's because it, you can tell that it's such a super low budget movie. Once you get into it and you get that get past that feeling, you really start. You know, you get into it and you you start connecting with the characters and thinking about it and all that stuff uh it's a cool movie and it's it's definitely something that could have i think it would have been vastly improved by having a big budget (laughs) or having more of a budget um right and not not just i I like the choice of making it black and white that's not what i mean it's just you know it's just the the way that it's it feels like you know the the director the filmmakers like put it they had to film it in their own apartments and stuff like that um So I think I think it would have been an even better film with with a budget, um, but I I liked it. I thought the performances were pretty good too. Me too. Yeah, yeah that that I think is what stood out to me. Uh, unknowns, as far as my knowledge uh, <laughs> of movies, you know, I didn't know. I knew who nobody was in this movie, and I was yeah. I had to say I was impressed with uh, with the performances specifically. The thief, the burglar. Mm-hmm. I thought he was. I thought he was particularly mm-hmm. good. He was really yeah. good. He was. Uh, he was really good as a kind of a, just a sketchy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sketchy guy with with charisma. Yeah, yeah. Oh, charm, definitely charm. Charming, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a great criminal. Absolutely, um, like a con man. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, totally. I thought I was. I was really impressed by the fact that a. You know, a first-time filmmaker, at least you know, uh, a, a full-budget film and everything. He uh, he chose to make it like a non-linear story. You know, he he interspersed different timelines throughout each other. It was it wasn't all just it wasn't just a straightforward linear movie. That's a pretty that's a very bold choice to make with with a a low-budget film, and it's very bold to make as a first-time filmmaker. You know, you mm-hmm. don't you just don't expect to see something like that, and I think that's that's one of the more impressive parts of the movie is how he edited it together. Yeah. It leaves you guessing. You see, you know, you see the bruises on his face and you're suspecting that he got roughed up, but you know, you're just, you're not Mm -hmm. sure how it happens or when it happens. And you're kind of waiting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that it, I I feel like it, it was a, uh, uh, I, I, I feel like it, I feel like it was it was like kind of a, a film school kind of thing. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it if it is or not, but it felt like a very like he he was learning himself. Nolan was learning his his style, and obviously nonlinear storytelling is a very big uh, style for him um, as a filmmaker even today. Um, and it's kind of, it was mm-hmm. cool to see him cut his teeth and that it felt like he was experimenting with a storytelling style that would, that would go on to, to, um, to treat him very well. Um, yeah. And I, I just got a huge kick out of it. Did you guys see the estimated budget for the movie? 
Yeah. Uh, Six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did how did uh, how did you guys find the movie? Like, did you how, how did you guys come about hearing about the movie and subsequently watching it through Matt? <laughs> really? from, from Matt he said uh, you know this is one of his earliest ones have you ever seen it nope nope probably won't nope probably won't uh, which I don't know why because it's so short it's just it's just a quick watch yeah. uh, but to be honest I, I watched it for this podcast and you guys said it was on Netflix nice so glad uh, I did though I don't remember how I came about it I, I, I know that it was because it was Nolan it was it was long after I'd gotten into Nolan um so I, th- I think okay. that it may have just been I was seeking it out just to just to complete my viewing collection of mm-hmm. Nolan movies, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I'm guessing that's how most people found it. Um, the way I found it was actually really cool. My one of my uncles, who's a he's a huge movie buff, um, but he's 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 really like he's a at the time he owned a business and so he was super busy. He didn't have a lot of time to watch a lot of movies so whenever he watches something he really chooses something you know that's going to be worth his while and at the time he was living in singapore um hmm. and he lived there for like 10 years and so he couldn't get his hands on everything and a lot of a lot of stuff he had to watch he would buy in bootleg form like down at the local market and stuff like ah. that huh. and so that's the first way i saw the movie was when i was visiting him uh, I only got saw. I, sometimes I would go like two, three years without seeing him. So um, we would usually talk about movies when we when we saw each other, and it was always a really a really great discussion. And uh, he just kind of pulled out this like this like generic. It wasn't even a generic CD case. It was just like one of those clear plastic CD CD cases. It wasn't even a DVD case. Mm-hmm. And he had huh. this this DVD of following that he had bought for like three yuan, which is the I think that's the Singaporean. Uh, currency Mm -hmm. so he bought it for like essentially like 50 cents or something like that and he was like yeah you know the the uh the uh, christopher nolan the guy who made the memento movie i was like yeah it's an awesome movie i love it he's like well this is his this is his very first movie he made in england and i was like well that sounds awesome and uh i borrowed it from him for like a year until i saw him again (laughs) (laughs) and that's the first time i saw the movie and it was uh it was just a kind of a cool little thing to share it with my uncle that way, who I didn't get to see very often. Oh wow, cool! I, that's awesome. I never, I never heard of that story. Yeah, that's cool. It's kind of cool. Nice, awesome. Um, yeah. Not that any of us here at the Obsessive Viewer condone uh, bootlegging or piracy of any kind. Yeah. Boo <laughs> hiss. <laughs> never. Um, never. I I I watch it on Netflix. That my parents pay for. <laughs> <laughs> nice, awesome. Yeah, so it's it's a great movie, and it's it's definitely it's got a bunch of elements that uh, that will do. That's just it, it's really well done. I, I would say, especially for what it is, it's this independent movie. Like we said, six thousand um, dollars. Right. It's just, and it's it's really it's clever. It's it's clever, and that's that's one of the big takeaways for me with the movie is that it's basically a good introduction to what Nolan will eventually become. This kind mm-hmm. of clever storyteller with um, very intricate, intricately plotted and um, uh, like like just nonlinear storytelling 
at, at its at its near finest because uh especially for what it is this independent movie um, definitely okay. yep yeah. agreed all right uh memento let's talk about memento all right let's do it his uh his breakout movie i would say um at least in the neo noir sort of indie movie arena um Right. So let's to get things started off. Uh, I think we we already covered this a little bit, but what uh, what was your guys' first experience with Memento? Well, our f- my first experience, <clears throat> if you don't mind me going first, Tiny. No, go ahead. Is uh, was seeing it with you right by my side, Matt. Oh. Um, and yeah, <laughs> we had a film class and we saw it in the film class, and uh, and I was just blown away. And we we talked about it afterwards, and afterwards. And my brain was just mush after. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there was just so much to go through and so much to talk about that I just had to watch it again. I feel like that weekend I went out and bought the DVD, watched it again, waited a few hours, and then I watched it. Uh, like, there's the special feature on the DVD where you can watch it chronologically. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> and I did that as well and just and just went over and over again. It was, good. it was a good first viewing experience to see it in that big auditorium. And, yeah. Uh, to just you know, your introduction was this is the this is the Batman Begins guy. Enjoy this, right? And I'm I'm sure I built it up like this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. So you need to love this movie. Yeah. And I was like, is that the guy <laughs> from the Time Machine? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, nice. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I loved seeing it in the theater. I I, I was floored by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember any of the lecture that we had no, for that I, what but. what was what was the point of watching that movie i mean they always had a point they always had the yeah was it uh were they were they just talking about i think he was plot? talking about like editing editing okay yeah, yeah. that makes sense probably why why know. was this in is it uh, part of it was in sepia right all the right yeah something like sepia. that and i and i think we were talking about you know why is this stuff in sepia why is this stuff in color um, right and then and then interestingly how the character evolves over the time but only because we get the evolution of the character right so, yeah it was cool it's uh yeah it's a great great movie uh tiny how about you what was your i think you you already mentioned that you borrowed my dvd but yeah. what was your initial reaction to the movie i should say um i i was i i was equally as uh equally shocked by it uh it was it was the first time that chris nolan ever reached into my brain and flipped it upside down and punched it and then <laughs> put it back in there uh it yeah, was like it was roughing up a suspect <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i was blown away by it initially even as a you know 15 16 year old i was i was blown away by it i had i had heard from so many people that it was so good and I finally just broke down and borrowed it from you, and that's. I think I went out and bought it within a month or two as well, and I've probably watched it at least seven or eight times since. Did you buy the oh, DVD absolutely. that looks like a case file? I don't have. I used to have that one, but I think I lost it when I went to college or something, and uh, I re- repurchased it, and all they didn't have any more like that. That yeah. that special one wasn't in print anymore or something like right. that. So I, yeah. I love that DVD packaging. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, it a even com- it comes um, with a paperclip. It d- the funny thing about that <laughs> is, at the time I was working at Blockbuster, 
in or, or later I was working on Blockbuster. Um, in any case, I I think I loaned it to Tiny, and then I think in the exchange of getting it back, I went to his house to get it back, and I think the paperclip like fell out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have it anymore, and I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh, it's a nice little cool little thing to put on there. So I just went to Blockbuster, and this is when they had the the boxes out oh, covering no. the covering the thing. So I just took the paperclip from one of you. theirs. <laughs> <laughs> and that thief. led to the downfall of blockbusters yeah, across the you nation. Single-handedly bankrupted I did. Blockbuster. I did. Blockbuster's gonna um, get their legal department after you. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm gonna be on the run. Paper clips. We don't make any money anymore. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> nice. Well done. Um, but yeah, for those who haven't seen Memento. Um, it's just it's just an incredibly incredibly well done movie. It's uh, it stars Guy Pierce as a man who, uh, at following following the the his wife is killed and in the process he's his head is damaged to where he doesn't have short term memory, mm-hmm. so he has all of these post uh, um, um, these notes and and these uh, Polaroids of things that he needs to remember as he hunts his wife's killer, and, and the big. Uh, and tattoos, yeah. For the big clues, he has tattoos. Um, John G. raped and killed my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, find him and kill him. Um, so basically, the entire movie is him hunting his wife's killer. But the thing that Nolan does to get us into his frame of mind is he he the movie is played in reverse. Mm-hmm. The first scene is last. The last scene is first. Uh, that's an oversimplification of the of the format, but for all intents and purposes, that's what it is, and it just works incredibly well because you you sympathize with uh, Leonard and you you feel his plight as you don't know what's going on and you see him struggle with learning, relearning this information and questioning questioning the people around him, their motivations, their they're uh, like he doesn't know who to trust and it's just a very it gets into as tiny said it gets into your brain flips it over punches it and gets mm-hmm. out um it's just a spectacular spectacular movie um i wrote a song shortly after i was in a band for several years mm-hmm. and thank sh- you jade thank you jade thank you thanks for the name <laughs> drop uh, <laughs> after i watched memento i wrote a song about like being a con man and not that Leonard Guy mm. Pierce's character was a con man, but uh, and and I wrote about writing the facts on my right wrist because I'm left-handed <laughs> in more ways than one. And I don't even know exactly what that means, but I, I like <laughs> it intrigued me to tattoo stuff on yourself to to remember things. And so I just wrote this song about this guy who is left-handed, and I felt like at the time like left-handed meant. Like you, you rip people off all the time. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, That's interesting because you saw it. This was freshman year of college, uh-huh. and I'm left-handed. Ooh. You are. I am. Oh, yeah. Things have changed between us. <laughs> I did not know this. Interesting. Maybe I was writing oh. about you. Yeah, I was. I I was like, that's why I said I was. I kind of wish that it was written. The song me. goes, <laughs> and he slept there, two feet from my own bed. Something like that. <laughs> Boy, do I feel like the third wheel tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> you like have a, a friend named bit. Tiny. <laughs> yeah. He's in Indianapolis. <laughs> oh wow. 
<laughs> yeah. But the cast is phenomenal for Memento. It's just, I mean, Guy Pierce. I like. I wish that. I hope that Guy Pierce and Christopher Nolan work together again because that that meld of of performer and director was just. It was just. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene particular. There's a particular scene in the movie where he's Leonard is. Uh, he he pays a, a prostitute or an escort or what have you to recreate the um, the events of the night that his wife died. Mm-hmm. The, um, the last memory he has of his wife. Yeah, right. yeah, because it's it's the last memory before he ceased to have memories. Um, so and it, it's just strange because after after it happens and all that, because she doesn't understand what's going on. He goes and he burns all of his uh, wife's, his former wife's, wife's possessions. Mm-hmm. And it's just the atmosphere of the scene. It's it's dark and he's he's just standing uh, just in I think it's a parking lot with a like a garbage fire. Um, he's just tossing these things in there and he says something to the effect of. Um, Probably tried this before. Probably burned truckloads of your stuff. Can't remember to forget you. It's just, it's just a really well executed scene. It's just, um, he has, there's this heartfelt, like the music plays, and it, it's just a very, it's a very, it's a very nice, it's a good character moment, I should say, because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a good development of his character. Um, I just, it always stuck with me. Interesting. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys, since we're we're talking about it, did do you guys feel that if the film had not had the the aspect of being told in reverse, if you will, which again is a bit of an oversimplification, but if it was if it didn't have, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but if it didn't have that aspect to it, do you think it would have been a? Do you think it would be such a memorable film, or do you think it would be? held in such high esteem if it was just a straightforward noir mystery with 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 the same aspect of having you know the memory loss thing which is also kind of uh, again that's definitely not a gimmick but it's it's a, a unique aspect of the film but do you think without the reversal or the, the way they tell the story do you think it would still be as as memorable of a film well first first of all i love i love that you refer to it as a memorable film <laughs> Jeez, if it's a unintentional but i i love it but uh you know i'll yield the floor to mike because he he said you've you've watched the chronological version i can't remember if i did yeah, or, and oh, it's yeah. been so long yeah. since i watched it um mm-hmm. but still the whole time <clears throat> excuse me the whole time i was watching the the chronological version i'm connecting it to the one that is reverse chronological uh. right so i'm really only making connections so to answer your question tiny i i would say no in mm-hmm. fact, uh, you know, considering the the publicity that his older movies received, I don't even know that this movie would have the the net of this movie would have been cast as wide, or even been made, were it not for the hmm. uh, gimmick, I guess, for want of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, I would say no. Definitely not as memorable, but possibly not even made. Okay. I would say that it's uh for for lack of a better word it it is slightly gimmicky but it also 
also not so. It's not. Uh, well, you know, the word gimmick has a a negative connotation to it, but it does. That's not. It does. It, Memento is definitely not that. You couldn't. I don't right. think you could even make the argument that it's a gimmick. Really, there, right? There's, there needs, it needs it needs yeah. its own term. Yeah, it's it is a, a stylistic choice by Nolan um, that serves the story mm-hmm. almost as much as as anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very integral to the story he's telling, because uh, when you watch it chronologically, early on in the movie, I mean, spoiler alert, um, you find out. I'll keep it vague, but you find out characters that. You find out characters' intentions by the end of the movie as we see it, or beginning of the movie as chronologically as we as we see it. So, mm-hmm. to watch it chronologically, I mean, obviously they'd have to make some uh, script changes or whatever um, if they were never going to do the um, reverse uh, reverse uh, uh, editing. Um, but you you see the intentions from the start, and it would kind of cheapen the experience. Not that there's anything, not that it wouldn't still be an engaging movie. But mm-hmm. it still would lose something in that translation because it's so integral to the story that is being told. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's the reason why I think it's so important to the film is that the character of of Leonard he he lives his life in essentially in in scenes that that's how he lives his life. It's scene after scene after scene. That's mm-hmm. how he lives his life, and that's how that's how movies are. Movies are yeah. a collection of scenes, and because they have to be, you couldn't have you know if you told a movie in real time, it would be ten hours long, or you know three days long. So that that's how that's how films are naturally. They have to be that way. So you couldn't you couldn't really capture the the aspect of how Leonard lives his life through traditional storytelling. It had to have that that different aspect to it it had to have that that style choice as as you called it matt mm-hmm. so it's not it's not a gimmick for that it's it is a way it, it was the, the perfect way to illustrate how the character of leonard lives his life that's that was a perfect way to demonstrate it uh yeah. you couldn't do it through tra- traditional storytelling right right yeah. cool uh it's good yeah. uh anything else about memento or should we move on to insomnia I say move on. Uh, I say move on too. All right. So up next is Insomnia. This is a bit of an interesting departure from the rest of um, Nolan's filmography in that he didn't write it or anything. He just uh, he just directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just recently watched it and it uh, it was okay. Um, the lack of his word smithery. Um, if that's a thing, <laughs> yeah, was you just uh, made it. You just coined yes. it. Coined by obsessive. You're now. Anytime anyone uses it, they're gonna have to pay me. And this podcast is going places. Um, but it it the lack of his of his of his writing was was felt in it um, for me Absolutely. at least. Um, yeah. What did you guys think of it? Uh, go ahead, Tiny. Okay. Um, I I had seen it probably four times. Oh wow! And I watched it recently as a refresher, yeah, wow. and um, I had always kind of held it in the regard that it's uh, just kind of meh, just an okay movie. 
Um, I will say, and maybe my Christopher Nolan bias plays into mm-hmm. this, but I liked it a lot more watching it this time. I don't think I had watched it since Inception and The Dark Knight Rises came out. I kind of see Nolan's signature in it now, um, even mm. in some of the simple huh. the simple stuff like the way that the little chase scene in Insomnia is filmed, where uh, Al Pacino and Robin Williams are running across those logs that are just floating along, uh, floating in the bay. That's how they transport them, I guess. And they're kind of running across that. It just kind of had a, a bit of a Christopher Nolan feel to it. I guess I just detected a little more of a Christopher Nolan feel on this watch through than I had in the past. Interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned noticing some of uh, Nolan's signature stuff. I noticed that too. That because um, the movie's about a detective um, who goes to Alaska, um, where where it's just daylight around the clock um and he's investigating this uh murder of this young girl and uh he's played by al pacino it's it's just a really young girl is played by al pacino (laughs) yeah yeah it's the role of a lifetime um but he it's it's interesting it's an interesting movie the the plot is interesting i'll give it that i'm not i'm not completely discrediting the plot it's just that with with nolan's signatures as a as a director were present but it was just not his signatures as a storyteller weren't weren't there and then kind of it kind of made me miss something um i'll agree yeah. with that that's a good point okay thank you um but it's I, unfortunate though isn't it that we that we have to have his writing is that perhaps a slight to chris nolan that he can't he uh does not play with El- play well with others I, do you know what i mean there I, there are several right i, I get what uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say that and this might sound like backtracking and i don't mean it to but i i don't think it's a bad movie like i said it's it's an interesting plot and i i enjoyed it for what it was but i don't think mm-hmm. i think that it's it's it speaks more to an expectation that nolan's past past and at the time future um work work uh gives me because i've experienced nolan as a a a director slash writer in its in its it's that's him firing on all cylinders this is him this is him working in tandem with someone else Mm -hmm. someone else's writing and i'm sure that he took a pass at the script but there was still just something missing from traditional Nolan fare. Now, if I had seen, now if I had seen this without any bias to- toward Nolan or any expectations to- toward Nolan, I may have actually liked it a little more mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have that expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I just want to make it clear: I'm not saying that it's a low quality film. I'm just saying that it's in the pantheon of Nolan's uh, entire career it's it's just not doesn't really cut it for me um it seems it seems like he's a little he's a little held back in it and i i wouldn't go so far as to say he doesn't play well with others and the reason i wouldn't say that is because this is really the only example that we have well and if maybe maybe if he was teamed up with a great writer maybe if he was i don't know if he was Mm -hmm. teamed i would love to see him shoot an andrew kevin walker script that would be huge, Ooh, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think it would go well with, with his style. 
Uh, and you know, maybe if we get something like that, it would be great. You know, I don't, I don't think I'd make that judgment on this one. Mm-hmm. Though. Well, that's, that's true. I mean, that's kind of, yeah. What I'm saying is, uh, I think we kind of have to look at it apart from the fact that he didn't, he didn't write it and kind of just take it for what it is. Uh, I see what you're saying about the, about the expectations, but like the Batman movies, uh, David Goyer, you know, had his thumbprints all over it, fingerprints all over those movies. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, he, who wrote the stories and I'm sure DC and Warner brothers had a lot to say about those movies. So for me, I don't know that the movie, um, I don't want to say it's not a great Chris Nolan movie because he didn't write it for me. I just think it's not that great of a movie. I, I, I don't want to say I wish he didn't do it, but he's, he's above it. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick about, I, I I agree with you, but bringing up David S. Goyer, I feel like that's, I, I feel like that that's not a fair comparison because while his fingerprints are on the Dark Knight um, mm-hmm. trilogy or at least Batman Begins, mm-hmm. it's also, it's also Nolan's work. Obviously, like I I think I mentioned in the in the um, Man of Steel episode that. Um, I, I read the first draft of um, Batman Begins. It was the first draft of. It was before Nolan worked it out. It was basically David Goyer's script, and it's His a vastly story. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a vastly different script. It's it's not. It doesn't have that Nolan touch. Gotcha. Um, and it's and it's it. <laughs> the memory of that lessened the blow of how awful I thought Man of Steel was because it was, <laughs> as soon as I saw it, it was written solely by David Goyer. I was like, okay, well that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, in going back to seeing uh, Nolan's signatures in, in Insomnia, I forgot to mention that uh, one of the, one of the things that I noticed that is very Nolan-esque is that, um, Al Pacino's character is, is he can't sleep um, throughout the movie, and he there's like flashes of um, of what he's thinking about, and like it's very quick kind of um, flashes to flashes to the murder he's investigating, to some of the other darker kind of things in his past. And it's very it very much reminds me of like um, like in Memento the uh, there was like flashes of uh, Sammy Jenkins and and. Um, little bits of memories here and there, and it kind of that's it's that same kind of style, and also in a little bit in in uh, in uh, I think it was the Dark Knight um, that they yeah. had those flashes. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I one of the things I really like about the movie is the performances. Actually, I think especially obviously it's mostly carried by Al Pacino's character. It's almost a noir, a noir piece in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Al Pacino is pretty good in it. Obviously, he's not as great as when he played Michael Corleone or when he was in Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, he still gives a good performance. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's great in that character. Mm-hmm. He does. He spends he spends a little bit of time roughing up a suspect. He does. A suspect in particular is yeah. Robin Williams. What about oh, him? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Robin Williams is great. I think uh, one of the... He, he told the line very well between playing just kind of a guy you could kind of sympathize with and someone who's a full-blown serial killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because he's he's not a serial killer. He's he's a bit of a sociopath because you know he kills this girl and he just sees it like well it's just an accident. He doesn't have any remorse about it. But he's not right. He's not. You don't you don't necessarily think he's a full on crazy person. You know, like a Ted Bundy type thing. Right. He's just he made a really good performance, especially with his personal conversations with Al Pacino. Those are some really good back and forths between some seasoned professionals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the period, uh, in Robin Williams career when he was doing the serious thing, mm-hmm. uh, of which I wish there was more. Me too. Me too. I was just going to say that, uh, this and one hour photo, are really yep. good examples of his. Yep. Maybe the only examples of his doing a yeah. Dark well, returns. and Patch Adams was like him dipping his toes in the water. <gasps> right. Well, and and these were. Don't forget the movie Awakenings from the nineties. Uh, I think that was his first Oscar nomination. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, right. We're getting right. all over the place. What's what's <laughs> what's Awakenings? Real quick. It sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Awakenings was a film from. I think 1990 or 91 and it takes place in uh the 1970s or 69 or something like that and robin williams plays a doctor in a mental institution and he has a group of patients who were afflicted with encephalitis and uh these people were basically just shut down um they didn't speak and basically they were just vegetables and um this doctor played by robin williams um kind of runs tests on Mm -hmm. them and finds that their their brains aren't shut down and they can still react to things. Oh, wow. And he tries out this drug on them, and it actually cures their affliction. And uh, he literally wakes these people up. Um, and, I mean, they were, they were vegetables, and he just basically mm-hmm. wakes them up. Uh, but unfortunately, we find out that the drug is only a temporary fix and that no matter how much more you give them, it eventually wears off. And these people slowly slip back into their vegetative states. Oh, wow. And it's... It's a really great movie. Uh, Robert De Niro plays the main patient that he brings back, huh. and it's just a great movie. I think it's actually uh, a better performance on Robin Williams' part than Goodwill Hunting. Oh wow! wow. I'm um, all, we're also forgetting uh, Dead Poet Society. I guess I was just right. talking about the the Could, resurgence of his serious side, yeah. and right. it's more his 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 foray into the darker, disturbed kind of roles. Sure, yeah, um, definitely, definitely. yeah. Um, I'll have to check out Awakenings, but um, the performances in, in, in Insomnia, I feel like um, I agree. They're they're both gr- both uh, both Robin Williams and Al Pacino are great, and uh, Al Pacino particularly. It's I, I don't know if it's if it's indicative of the time that the movie was the filmed, like the time in his career, but mm-hmm. I just anymore I just associate him with this kind of over the top kind of uh hoo-ah kind of guy. <laughs> and he's very subdued in this and it's very it's very it's a good it's a good performance. It's it is, but he's playing tired. Yeah. You know? I feel <laughs> yeah, like he's true. tired in the movie. Or he seems tired yeah. and at first you're like, well man, that's El Pacino's tired. But he's he's playing tired. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, by the end he looks absolutely exhausted. Yeah. yeah. He's good. He's good yeah. in it. Yeah. So overall it's I don't know. I I felt like it's a good movie. It's a little hampered by um by Nolan's other movies. It's it's because uh yeah, it's, it's overshadowed. Better yeah, yeah. better worse or the same in quality as Following. I would say better. 
I would on, say on pretty much all accounts. Huh. huh. Sorry. Inter- no, that's fine. Um, I would say I like following better just because of the plotting, um, mm-hmm. the intricacies of the of the plot and the the deception and the the nonlinear storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say I had a similar reaction to both, which is. Uh, I really just want to watch Memento again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Did you? I. I think when I had watched it in the past, I had. I had had the memory that Al Pacino and uh, his partner, played by Martin Donovan, I had had the memory for some reason that they were federal agents or FBI, but they're not. They're LAPD detectives, right. which I find, and, I find it very strange. Um, like, why would the LAPD loan out two of their detectives to fly up to Alaska to help out with this case? Uh, it just seems yeah, weird that yeah. the FBI wouldn't be involved. Uh, Did they explain Maybe that they're the all? best, closest. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, maybe Washington <laughs> State's not getting it done. Right. <laughs> so they got to send these guys. I think it's... Huh. And, uh, I think it's I think it's just strange to me. It's partly explained by the fact that the sheriff of the town, um, I think it's called Night Mute. Yeah. The sheriff was clearly like old old buddies with Al Pacino's character. And mm-hmm. some of the guys at the LAPD were like old friends of his. Still that doesn't seem like enough for official channels to like loan out two of their detectives. Maybe maybe it's explained in the book, but it just seems weird to me. It's. Uh, I, I think it would have made more sense for them to be like FBI agents, right? Right. It didn't like kill the film or anything. I mean, it didn't make it unwatchable. It was just weird, kind of a strange aspect. Hmm. I guess I never huh. thought of it. Yeah, it's part of my criminal justice. Yeah, mind. yeah that's <laughs> true. And it. You say it's. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I may be wrong, but I don't think it's based on a book. I think it's based on a Norwegian movie oh is it I, I think so and that may be part of part of that maybe it's maybe it's something they just tried to to adapt for for the for the american thing and they just kind of overlooked it i guess i don't i don't know hmm. hmm either way yeah like i said just a strange right strange aspect i guess yeah cool so yeah, well, uh, I think that about covers insomnia. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right, any parting thoughts on it? No, I think we covered it. None whatsoever, and I guess that's very telling. <laughs> 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 All right, well, um, yeah, I guess I guess we we should move on to what's what's this next movie? It's Breaking uh, Bad. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Batman wow. Begins. Uh, Batman Begins. Yes, uh, small little independent so, film. Yeah. I think. I don't know that I've following? seen it. Is it on Netflix? <laughs> this it's the prequel to Batman, nineteen eighty nine. Oh yes, that's right. Yes. Right. <laughs> so up next is Batman Begins, the uh, the first of Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, starring Christopher uh, Christian Nolan. Uh, wow! Holy crap! <laughs> uh, starring Hank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, for our listeners that was a reference to the breaking bad bonus episodes that you'll hear yeah um i've heard um (laughs) okay starring christian bale michael Caine, 
Um, Heath Ledger in one of them. Um, this one features uh, Liam Neeson uh, as well as uh, Killian Murphy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I was blown away by this movie when I first saw it. Um, I think uh, I think you, you guys mentioned that you weren't, or Tiny mentioned it, he wasn't very uh, excited about it when uh, uh, when when it came out. But and well, I was the same way. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it, my theater experience was I was working in a movie theater and I went to go see it for free. And it was actually kind of funny because a coworker of mine was seeing it as well, and it was kind of awkward because I didn't. It was like when I just met him. Um, so I was like, we both went at the same time and we went to the same showing. And then I was like, should, should I sit by him or are we seeing this together? <laughs> Share then, popcorn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then to add to the awkwardness just a little bit, uh, I actually had to give, I give him a ride home. So it's kind of weird, but, but we both really liked it. And, uh, I mean, I was actually the ride home or the I, movie. I think I think he went on a date, Matt. I think <laughs> it sounds like a date. That's what I'm saying. It was weird. There was like a bouquet waiting for me, and I mean, I kept getting calls, and it was weird. It was weird. Um, you but, you were done eating the popcorn, but he kept saying, "Dig deeper." There, the good stuff's at the bottom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, I could have made a very vulgar joke, but anyway, um, I just I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It was not what I was expecting from a Batman movie. It was not what I was expecting from a superhero movie in general or, mm-hmm. or a comic book movie. If you're a purist, since Batman's not technically a superhero, um, yeah. But I mean, I I loved it. I I, I really did, and uh, it was fantastic. What'd you guys think of it? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I I agree I, I think it's i think it's amazing um uh my introduction to it is kind of interesting for a couple of reasons uh the that summer of course in may may 19th um star wars episode three came out and that's all i cared about that summer it was like mm-hmm. there was star wars episode three and then college and then like the cubs were okay that year and then <laughs> and then batman begins you know what i mean yeah um, and it was kind of initially, at least I think, and the way I took it as as a senior in high school, was it was kind of um, – I'm sorry. I'm stuttering here. Initially, it was kind of introduced or advertised as a remake, kind of reboot, kind of pre- – they weren't clear on what it was, mm-hmm. intentionally so. I, I have no doubt in my mind that it was intentionally so that if you wanted to say this was a prequel to what came before, then that's fine. You can understand that. Uh, but if you want to say it's a remake, okay, that's actually a little more accurate, but uh, mm-hmm. it's up to you. They were very unclear intentionally. So I went in waiting waiting for the score from the uh, from the original movies, the Tim Burton movies, and, and um, it was a lot different than I thought it was going to be. I loved it though. I mean, I love nice. the movie. The movie is fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Tiny, you mentioned uh, earlier about your experience with it, but uh, what, how did you feel about the movie? Um, I, I also liked it a ton, yes. and I think, I think this movie was, you know, Batman Begins was the, the first comic book movie that was treated or was accepted as an art form as opposed to just entertainment. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there had been, obviously there had been some, some good, 
comic book films before that, um, you know, the, the X-Men movies and Blade and stuff like that. But I think those were those were almost solely entertainment value um, mm-hmm. as opposed to artistic value. And I think this this film, Batman Begins, really changed the the general public's uh, perception of how how a comic book can be delivered and consumed as art as opposed to just something you go see because you want to see a movie or <laughs> you want to mm-hmm. you know be entertained for an hour and a half uh that that's I, I think it was again not to over over uh exemplify nolan but i think it was an important film as far as that goes because it's it, it changed how people can it changed how people think about a comic book movie or a superhero movie True. And that was that was clearly present on the screen as you're watching it in the theater. That's that's how I felt about it when I watched it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Did, um, am I the only one? Do you guys share? Uh, I connect a lot of how I watch movies or moments with movies with with the score and, and the theme, uh, particularly with the superheroes because I want that to be like the, the song I hear in my head when I see a superhero come on the screen. Mm-hmm. So you know there was so much Danny Elfman in the originals and and even the animated series that that theme is is I associated that with Batman as much as Donna with Jaws. Really, <laughs> and so when that didn't happen in Batman Begins, I I had to like force myself toward the end of the movie to say, "Listen, you're just not going to get it because it's not going to be a big surprise <laughs> moment where they where they get this song, you know, kind of like in the in the original Tim Burton where the the Batwing goes into the sky and looks like the signal because it's in the moon and they played the theme. I was waiting mm-hmm. for one of those moments and never got it, but I but I had to just kind of ignore that. I. I never, I did not have that experience whatsoever because I, I was never really into Batman. I never really watched the original gotcha. movies. Gotcha. Um, but I will say that I, I Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. uh, he is just spectacular. Like I've, like his score for Inception is just on constant rotation on my iPod. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it. He's 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 fantastic. I honestly, I actually think he should have been nominated for either The Dark Knight or Inception. Um, or he should have won because um, I think he was actually nominated for um, one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think he's he's fantastic. Like if you listen to this is d- dipping into Inception a little bit, but if you listen to his track Time, it's just it's just phenomenal. It's I mean it tells it almost tells a story, and it's just it's it's incredible. It's it's really f- fantastic, and that's present in uh, Batman Begins as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, um, and, and to answer your question, Mike, I kind of, I had a similar experience as, as far as that. What what you mentioned about the, the music and stuff, I I, I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting a a superhero moment like that, but I I wasn't. I don't know. I guess I wasn't looking for it maybe as much as you were, but I I thought that that's what the, I thought it was going to be that kind of movie because that's what yeah. I expected from it. Yeah. But um, I was you know just pleasantly surprised when it when it never came about and sure. when it, it it totally changed it totally uh you know found its own identity and became its own thing well um and where did you guys stand on the on the the idea that um it could be a prequel but it certainly wasn't i honestly didn't decide that it wasn't a prequel until the dark knight came out 
Oh wow! Oh, it okay. was it was that long where I wasn't sure. And but huh. I, but I mean, for the most part, I was like, well, it's not really. It's a bad prequel because it doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. But <laughs> yeah. they definitely did not confirm. I don't know. They were very wise to not confirm that it's something new altogether until the Dark Knight came out. I don't think. Right. Well, I. I felt the same when I watched it. When I like as I was leaving the theater and the days after, when I was talking to people about it uh, specifically, I remember talking to Matt about it, and I said, mm-hmm. "So, is this part of the the previous the previous Batman movies? Is it right. like the same universe? What's going on?" And and I remember Matt saying that no, it's it's completely separate. It's its own. It's like a reboot. And mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well then I I love it. Then I'm I'm glad that it's you know it's its own thing. They weren't trying to continue anything. Yeah, yeah. that's what. It was with me. I, I just never questioned it being anything but a reboot, honestly. Oh, um, really? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really follow the news about it. The only real piece of news that I remember reading before it came out was uh, 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 Batman fans being in an uproar about the the tumbler or the the, the Batmobile. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning that this, the high speed chase with with the tumbler. Um, on the on the freeways and then and then where he goes completely dark and uh, he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop. I thought that that, was, that whole sequence was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, where he's mm-hmm. transporting Rachel. Yep. Uh, yeah, and also the the scene where he's um, escaping from Arkham and he takes his the piece from his boot or whatever and drops it down to signal the bats to come. I just thought that was just. I mean, I thought it was just um, incredible, um, mm-hmm. a really good sequence. So it had sequences like that. It wasn't just, it wasn't just this dark, gritty story about uh, <laughs> about your everyday uh, billionaire um, who decides to fight crime. It was just this this awesome action movie as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that also connected with with me to it was the story of him saving Gotham or wanting to save Gotham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, that was just that was just spectacular coming from me like I've lived I've lived in Speedway, Indiana for most of my life for for at this point now probably half my life I would say over half my life but so just having that small community kind of thing and seeing a depiction on the screen of of a guy who is just trying to save his community just mm-hmm. kind of resonated with me in in some small way um I just I is it, it supposed to be small? I don't think Gotham is that small. No, well, no, 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 no. no. It, I, um, I know, I know what Matt's trying to say. It's about you just civic, mean, it's it's about civic pride, pride, civic gotcha. pride. There you go. Civic, okay. res, civic pride and civic responsibility. Gotcha. How it, yeah. how it falls on individuals to come together. You know, that's yeah, yeah. Gotham, I agree. yeah. Gotham is to Bruce Wayne what Speedway is to me, or Speedway is to to Tiny. Oh, I swear, right. if you do one of those, I'm not saying I'm Batman, but Batman and I are never in the same room. <laughs> Stupid jokes. I'm done on the podcast forever. <laughs> no, you're not in the same room at the same time because he's a fictional character and you're an idiot. <laughs> I hate those so much. Uh, I am wearing a cape right now, but yeah. All right, well, I need to. I need to get my costume sent. This back. was. Um, <laughs> this was the first time. That we got the uh, the Batman growl in a movie, and I think the first time he does it is when he's roughing up that suspect. <laughs> and I think the first time he does it is when he's ru- ru- when he's roughing up that suspect in the alleyway, and he's asking uh, where the yeah. drugs are. 
Uh, and then everybody mm-hmm. had their impression of Batman after that, that, that they could do that. Did it bug people as much back then? I think it really started to bug people with The Dark Knight, but did it, it, did started it bug with you the guys? Dark it didn't bug me. It started with The Dark Knight. It, even still, it didn't bug me in The Dark Knight. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it doesn't bug me either, but it I think bugs it's, a lot of people. I think they maybe could have made a different choice as far as that goes. His His Batman persona voice could have been something different i mean i it would have been equally stupid if you had been using like a british accent or something like that but, <laughs> but the, the growl was just kind of kind of weird i think the pinnacle of it was dark knight rises when he's where is the trigger where is it <laughs> that, like, yeah it's the that, that was the pinnacle i don't so much mind when he shouts it and the camera shakes and that's and you're supposed to fear him the way the the villains are supposed to fear him mm-hmm. but when he's like out of breath and he's got a little bit attitude. <laughs> that actually yeah. sounded like Sylvester Stallone in every movie. <laughs> a little bit. I kind of did, yeah. I think the thing with him, with that, with that is that um, you mentioned the pinnacle of it being in Dark Knight Rises. I think the, the, big, the big part that people had a problem with was in The Dark Knight when uh, he's talking to Lucius. Yeah. And it's just the two of them uh, with the, the uh-huh. big spy thing. Yeah. And he's like, he's using the voice and it's like people get in an uproar like, oh, he knows, Lucius knows that he's bat- that he's Bruce Wayne. Like, why? And then I reconcile that with just saying he's he's playing, he's in a character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then they talk about when uh, in The Dark Knight Rises when he says, so that's what that feels like. He's talking <laughs> yeah. to himself. But again, I agree. I, we're we're spending too much time on this because it it really doesn't bother me that much. I'm right, just trying right. to figure out why it bothers other people so much. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, it is a, it is a popular aspect of the film that a lot of people have talked about. So yeah. right, it's 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 relevant. Yeah. 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 Relevant. Um, relevant. <laughs> relevant. I one of my big things that I had trouble getting over, and uh, make no mistake, I love this movie, and so I'm kind of just trying to play the devil's advocate here for us to have mm-hmm. something to talk about. Um. One of the things that bothered me most after leaving the movie was when he tells uh, Ra's al Ghul, as he pronounces it, though it's Ra's al Ghul otherwise, right. um, when he says, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a thin line there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit True. of a loophole, yeah. Right. I mean, that's, um. uh, that's a thin line. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember thinking that when I rewatched it uh, last time I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Was that he doesn't? He has a strict moral code not to kill anyone, but he still kind of killed him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. but I don't. I don't have to save you. You kinda. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are there. Plus, he also kind of put him in that situation. You know. He, he beat did. him up and then blew up the back of the train, and he's like, "I'm gonna leave you here." Sucks <laughs> to be you. And plus, like know. in in the next film, in Dark Knight, he, you know, in, in the climax of that film, the Joker falls off the side of the building, and he makes an effort to save him. Save him, right? So right. that's that is a good point. Hmm. You know, maybe that's just part of his evolution as as Batman. You know, yeah. So, so maybe he regretted it. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to mention about this this trilogy, but I think it's also it starts with Batman Begins, obviously. But I think it's also indicative of, or it's just it's something that Nolan has done in a lot of his films. Um, maybe this this isn't the right time to bring it up, but I, I, I can't think of a better time. Um, he his female characters, um, especially 
the character of Rachel in in this this trilogy. They they seem to be very very one note characters that don't I agree. like the the character of Rachel exists solely as a love interest for Bruce Wayne throughout the films and mm-hmm. like he she she doesn't she doesn't really serve especially in Dark Knight she serves almost no purpose other than just as uh, other than other than just as something the other actors the other characters work off of basically mm-hmm. she she has no depth whatsoever she's very shallow not not I, a not an interesting character and i think a lot of his his female characters are that i mean like even even you know uh the female characters in inception were just they mm-hmm. didn't have any they had a very simple role they weren't deep at all i'm not I saying think the, sexist, the response just, to that is uh is catwoman she's pretty true. awesome a- absolutely that's, that's, that's true the and Anne hathaway is pretty awesome yeah, that's the exception. Mm. And 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 Talia Al Ghul. Well, Talia Al Ghul is not so much a woman as as just a villain figure. Um, right. But right. Catwoman is very much a woman and 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 she's pretty awesome. I I'll give you I'll give you Ellen Page in Inception though. She's Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was running through a mental Useless. list of all the female characters and yeah. Like I think uh Mike, I think he's mentioned in a previous podcast about uh Ellen Page saying that Ellen Page in Inception, her character might as well have been called ex, uh, Exposition. Exposition, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basil to- Expositions. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just thought it was a little bit unfortunate that I don't know she 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 wasn't. First of all, I, I'm not a Katie Holmes fan. I don't think she's very. She's not a good actress. I don't. Most people. Mm-hmm. I don't think most people would argue that she is. But uh, I, I and I did like. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal better in the second one, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it was still just kind of almost an unfortunate character that I think is kind of glossed over when when people talk about this trilogy. They 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 kind of forget the fact that that was kind of a dumb character. <laughs> I mean, she, she she wasn't not important. You know, she had some importance, some some, right. some relevance in the in the the trilogy, but just not not real great. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Rachel wasn't in the comics or anything like that. Um, right, and I mean, I agree. She was she was just. It's interesting how his also this also goes to um, his his uh, his propensity or or, or his his uh, his his what's the word I'm looking for his penchant his penchant for creating um, women character characters whose wives have. Uh, suffered greatly, or died, or yeah. loved ones have died. Because I mean, wow, we have, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Memento, Inception, uh, Dark Knight, uh, 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 Prestige. Wow, um, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah, they all have uh, female characters who who die, <laughs> yeah, and are caused to be the uh, they're kind of the catalyst of of uh, of a main male characters uh thing like i remember there was a it was a funny funny anecdote when inception came out um and they talked about how like in the in inception they have uh maul's uh cobb's wife and she's dead and like people were saying like okay by this time at this point i kind of think uh maybe christopher nolan's wife should kind of be giving him a second look or kind of kind of keep <laughs> keep an eye on herself um that's funny they're yeah. right. He should. She should. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Do we have favorite scenes? What are your favorite scenes? From Batman Begins? Batman Begins, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I already said mine, the, the bat thing. and uh, Those are more stylistic scenes in, in, yeah. the, in the, um, the chase. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much, I think that'd pretty much cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, how about yeah. you guys? Go ahead, Mike. I love I love the first, uh, I love when he says I'm Batman. I love the beginning when he when he jumps on top of the limo. That whole that whole sequence where they're where they're frightened. That's exactly the tone uh, that that Nolan intended and that Batman intends. And I, mm-hmm. and I just love that. Again, it goes back to I love uh, a little bit of horror. I love a little bit of terror, and I, and I think that's that's very in the same of the same ilk as a, as a horror movie. That scene, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Okay, I, I kind of, I guess I, I would kind of go with a, an amalgam of scenes where where Bruce Wayne and Ra's al Ghul are kind of training towards the beginning of the film when they're training mm-hmm. still in in China. Yeah. I kind of like like when they have the, that sword fight on the ice and the subsequent scene around the campfire. Um, that that stuff I thought was just setting the tone for the whole trilogy essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think back to that sometimes and. From from that movie specifically, from Batman Begins, I think that's that's probably my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's good. Uh, also worth mentioning, Ra's al Ghul's wife, dead. <laughs> yeah, also dead. Jeez. Yeah. and and later on his daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, should we move on? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Now we come to the Prestige. Uh, my, this came my favorite right off Edward the... Norton and Jessica Biel movie. <laughs> oh jeez! Uh, reference to the illusionist. That's another. That's one of those instances where Hollywood kind of, either by happenstance or by sheer ripoff, um, released two movies identical, somewhat identical to each other, yeah. within a short time frame. And they tried um, to make it seem like they weren't similar, but it's two movies about two magicians. Come on, they're, like Victorian they're both, era. Yeah, they're mu- both period magicians. Pieces. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really even remember exactly. the illusionist, but. Yeah, I don't own it or anything. I remember kind of liking it. Yeah, we'll we'll save that for the Ed Norton episode. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But the uh, the thing about the Prestige is this came right after um, Nolan really struck it big with Batman Begins. Um, it was kind of the start of him being kind of a kind of a household name for film buffs. Mm-hmm. Um, like he left his mark on Batman or he started to leave his mark on Batman. And now, now he kind of dialed it back a little bit with, with the prestige, which is still kind of a mind bending movie mm-hmm. brought back Christian Bale, got Hugh Jackman in on it, got Piper Parabo and uh, Scarlett Johansson and Michael Caine came back. It was also kind of the semi start to more. <laughs> it was the, it was the second, I believe second movie that had Michael Caine in it that no one did. And, He's been in every every Nolan movie since. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said Piper Parabo. You've are, oh really? What did I That's say? Parabo. I, I thought it, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was Parabo as well. Huh. I'll ask her next time I'm having go. coffee with her yeah. or on a date with her. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's got Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and Coyote Ugly in it. Um, no, but it yeah. So, what do you guys think of The Prestige? Go ahead, Mike. Um, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. In fact, I've only seen it twice. Uh, and I remember loving, loving most of it, uh, but not liking 
some of the ambiguities about it. And I and I think that's not fair. I think sometimes you have to appreciate ambiguities in movies. But I just I just wanted to know. Uh, spoiler alert! At the end of the movie, every time uh, Angier dies, which which version dies, and we never know. We don't we don't know. And to me, that's hmm. frustrating because he makes such a point out of wanting to be the one that gets all the glory and all the fame. So which Angier are we to believe dies every time? Because I also think it's pretty clear that it's random which dies every time. So then the, does the original Hugh Jackman not get the uh, get the adoration every time? That bothered me at the end of the movie. And so and so when I stack Christopher Nolan's movies, uh, this this one is not at the top. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I never I guess I hadn't really thought about that which which Angier it is that dies at the end. That's hmm. good good uh good pickup by you, Mike. Thank you. And at the end of the movie he's he's cloning himself, but um there he's on the stage, but then he's also up in up in the rafters, but then he's also here, he's also there. I I think and I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've seen it, but the way I took it is that it's pretty clear that it is random which version of Angier dies. And that bugged me because I, I always felt bad for the original one. <laughs> hmm. Huh. Interesting. I guess I hadn't put that much thought into it. Me neither. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no. That's, no, it's good. It's interesting. It's interesting because he's, I mean, he's kind of, he's essentially the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say antagonist is the better. That sure. yeah, that's yeah. true. It, he is the antagonist, and yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know which version is is him, and I I appreciate the ambiguity of it, though. I, I guess um, if I'm remembering it correctly, because mm-hmm. kind of leaves it open to our interpretation of it, which I'm I'm always fond of those kinds of movies. I know people. That's an unpopular opinion for ambiguity in terms of movies, but I like having something to think about afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, true, hmm. true. Uh, have either of you? It, this is based on that movie is based on a book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Have either of you read that or know anything about it? Really, never read it. Uh, no, no. Yeah, me um, either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and by the way, just real, real quick, this has been bugging me since we did the Yahoo Answers episode last week. Or last time we did the Yahoo Answers one, um, when the guy, when the possible troll mentioned uh, uh, basing uh, 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 Nolan basing his work on other people's writings, that should not qualify. That should not disqualify or uh, hamper anyone's enjoyment of him as a director. In any case, mm-hmm. absolutely, it just it just bugged me. Mm-hmm. But I agree. If you want to hear more about us ranting about yahoo answers people mm-hmm. listen to that episode <laughs> <laughs> definitely um but about the prestige i what i i enjoyed it quite a bit it took me a couple viewings to really appreciate it which is kind of rare uh, uh, a, a rarity for me when it comes to nolan mm-hmm. um because the first time i saw it i thought it was a good movie but i didn't it didn't grab me the way that batman begins grabbed me or memento grabbed me um but upon rewatching it, I kind of saw kind of more the, the machinations that, that went through Nolan Nolan's brain or whatever when he created it and or when he filmed it and made it. And it, you can appreciate it on a performance level. Um, 
because it's about two performers mm-hmm. who are at each other's each other's throats and they're kind of going after each other and it's there's that uh there's a good chemistry there i guess is what i'm trying to say um mm-hmm. and uh christian bale and hugh jackman are really are really are really good at playing up that um that uh that dueling kind of uh rivalry rivalry that thank you thank you <laughs> are, are really good at playing up that rivalry mm-hmm. um, i agree all all of the performances were really good in it um everyone is but i would say the strength is actually hugh jackman in it um even though you know you can make the argument that christian bale plays two different characters and he he has he has the the, the juggling act if you will uh pun intended um, of playing the two different people and, and and trying to mimic the emotions through both both characters, um, but I, I think I think the, the deeper evolution is is with Hugh Jackman's character, uh, what he goes through and he, he turns himself into the villain, you know, um, yeah. To borrow a phrase from Nolan's Nolan's canon, if you will, um, right. but. I, I I thought I think the performance is better by Hugh, Hugh Jackman. I know a lot of people give Hugh Jackman crap, and I don't understand it because I think he's yeah. I, don't, I mean, I think I, I think he's first of all right. First of all, I think he's a really good actor, and secondly, mm-hmm. watch an interview with him. He's probably one of the nicest human beings on the planet, mm-hmm. nice. um, and always thoroughly enjoys everything he does. Yeah, and he he never says anything bad about anybody. No. You know, he's always positive. So. But yeah, and I think I think the prestige is one of his better roles in my opinion. So Yeah. And if anyone wants to question their enjoyment of Hugh Jackman or whatever, just watch his what just watch his even the opening uh, opening uh bit on uh when he hosted the Oscars. Oh yeah, that was great. That whole song and dance it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was. That and also <laughs> his entire performance in Lemus are up. Yeah. Um yeah, just amazing or, performance, and he's and he really shines in the prestige as well. Um, yeah. Like you said, turning himself into the villain and all that. Mm-hmm. Or uh, last year's Oscars, he when uh, when uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence tripped on the steps, he's the only person who like rushed up to stage to help her. Oh, that's right. I, was I like, remember that. As soon as I saw that, I was like, he is so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. He is awesome. Just he's a just the best. Ish. He is. He is. Yeah. Um so um I'm looking at trying to figure out um the ending a little bit more but I I'm, re- I'm reading this line that says that Angier specifically says it took great courage to go inside the machine not knowing whether you'll come out and listen to the uproar or whether you would end up inside the water. I think that's pretty clear that hmm. it, it's random, but I guess does it clone their consciousness as well? Jeez, I don't know. We'd probably so have to read the book one. to find out. We, yeah, we need to we need to like find someone who was on the movie and rough up a suspect and get some information. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, right. We definitely need to do that. Um, um, did you guys? I've heard this from some people before, but did you feel like the kind of the twist, if you will, at the end? Which I didn't necessarily think it was much of a twist, but the twist at the end that you know Christian Bale was. His, his character was two people you know he had a twin if you will did you guys think that was kind of like duh like obviously i mean i thought it was so obvious that there were two there were uh, there were twins because 
the the character of Fallon was so mm-hmm. just looked like a kind of like a chubby Christian yeah. man with a lot of hair. And I, uh, I guess I was distracted by everything that uh, Angier's Hugh Jackman was going through that I that I didn't really notice. It was kind of like oh okay, but a lot of people uh, <clears throat> complained that while we got that realism, that it, that the movie kind of cheated uh, when it came hmm. to science fiction. You know when the science fiction hmm. element was introduced, yeah, that, that's the movie true. kind of kind of yeah. Way. And so, like, I appreciate the the reveal of the twist. Which, to answer your question, yeah, I guess it did kind of get me a little bit. Um, but I also I also feel like it it cheated. Okay, I feel like it was it was it was a magic trick. It was uh, hmm. they they misdirected us with with Fallon. Um, it's an illusion, Matt. It's called an illusion. It's, it's an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I just thought it was it was uh, it was well executed in my opinion. I didn't expect that he was that he had a twin or anything like that. It, it kind of it, it it played itself out well for me. I felt like it may have been just a little in that first viewing. I felt like it was a little forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I rewatched it, I saw how the pieces fit together and how like when he ties when he ties the rope and it's all comes back to being just an accident of not knowing which knot to tie. Um, that just kind of brings it all together for me. And I understand, yeah, the sci-fi element is a little bit of a reach or a little bit of a stretch for the story that they're telling, I guess. Um, but also, I thought it worked well in its favor upon review. Uh, but in that first viewing or even first couple viewings, it kind of kind of seemed a little, maybe a little bit off-key off a bit, if you will. Okay. Let's, um, let's yeah. analyze the three parts of the magic trick t- magic trick and why the movie is called the prestige yes all right every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts the first is called the pledge the magician shows you something ordinary <laughs> a deck of cards a bird or a man he shows you this object perhaps he asks you to inspect it to see if it is indeed real unaltered normal but of course it probably isn't i, I won't go on the second act is called the turn <laughs> <laughs> just in takes ordinary uh ordinary something makes it do something extraordinary now you're looking for the secret but you won't find it because of course you're not really looking you don't really want to know you want to be fooled but you wouldn't clap yet because making something disappear isn't enough you have to bring it back that's why every great magic trick has a third act the hardest part the part we call the prestige <laughs> <laughs> nice what's that, the prestige nice. in this movie i would say the prestige is uh um christian bale being a twin okay. yeah i agree yeah kind of like i said it's kind of the seeing seeing the inner workings of of what happened um seeing the seeing it being pieced together like that is kind of kind of gives you a, a sense of kind of coming full circle with the story that's being told mm-hmm. yeah i would say it has to be that the christian bale's character was a twin because that's the that's the only magic trick that takes the entire movie to tell Right. So sure. that's okay. that's what it, it pretty much has to be that. Okay. Would the turn be uh would that would that be the, the cloning? Um I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. I would say I would say the turn is Tesla. Maybe. Hmm. You know, when they, they're introduced to the character of Tesla and they realize that you know, there's more to magic than just trickery it's there like you right. said there's like a sci-fi aspect to it mm-hmm. okay so that's what i would say you know hmm. okay huh. 
And then the pre- right. the presentation would be the the death of Angier's wife, I guess. Yeah. 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 Is that what it was? The presentation? Is that what it's called? The, the uh, pledge. The pledge. The pledge. Your first part is called the pledge. <laughs> <laughs> the first part is called the pledge. The pledge. Good old Michael Caine. Michael oh, Caine. Yeah. I love Michael Caine. Can't go Caine. wrong with him. No. He's the best. He never... Michael Caine never looks like he's acting. He looks like he's just... He just is that... Ca- like, I don't know. He just looks like he's... He's just showing up to work and just, just reading some lines. Not mm-hmm. that he's... I don't know. I just I I buy every single character he ever plays. Right. He's yeah. just a great a great act, great actor. Yep. Cool. Absolutely. Cool. Moving on. Uh, yeah. Uh, any parting thoughts on the Prestige? Um, I think it's I, I think it's treated like uh, Nolan's redheaded stepchild, but it should not be. I think it's one of his better movies, personally. It's his really cute adopted child. <laughs> <laughs> Ad- adapted child. Ooh. Nice. Zing. Wordplay. Nice. Thanks. Nice. Thanks. It's uh I feel like and this is going to sound this is going to sound like a dig at him, but I don't mean this by any way cuz I do like the movie quite a bit, but I feel like it's it's his what I did on my summer break between Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Ouch. Um, yeah, I know it sounds awful, but I mean that's just I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's a smaller movie. It it's uh sometimes what you do on your summer break is really awesome. Exactly. I mean, I loved summer vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's when you really find yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um cool. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, shall we move on to the Dark Knight? Let's do Let's. it. All right. Uh So, I I meant to mention this uh at Batman Begins, but what did you guys think of the ending to Batman Begins, the setup of the Joker? Um, how do you think? How do you feel about that? And going into the Dark Knight, what were you expecting um, out of Heath Ledger? Uh, that's a big conversation, but just first, what do you think of the setup of being the Joker? I um, I thought that it was again at the time I I wasn't sure that it was a prequel or not, and I thought that it was uh, intending to set us up and say this is how we get to Tim Burton's Batman and I was wondering where that was going to fit into the timeline other than that I didn't think much of it until until you know we got Heath Ledger announcements and things like that right Mm -hmm. right yeah I I had a similar opinion of it I didn't I didn't think much of it I'm not I'm not real crazy about blatant scenes like that where it's just like hey we're setting up the next one i i would prefer that it's i would prefer that a setup for a sequel is more more natural like you you work it into the story more um Mm -hmm. i I think that's a better way to go um so i'm not a big fan of those kind of scenes in general sometimes they're fun sometimes they annoy me but this one i guess i just i liked the rest of the movie so much that i didn't let it bother me Mm -hmm. um that's kind of how I, I felt about it. And I, I was I was very excited that they were going to have the Joker as, you know, the Joker was going to be in it, definitely. That that got me excited. So, I, right. I agree with you that some are bothersome, uh, but I think this was a fun one. I I like the I like the way they the way they revealed the card. And it and okay. it didn't feel to me again because I was in the mindset of uh, it, this could be a setup to go into Tim Burton's Batman. It felt it felt uh not throwaway is the word I'm looking for, but it felt just like, hey, here's a here's a 
wink to the fans. In the same way that in Back to the Future, when he comes back and says, we got to go to the future, it's it's not you, hmm. it's your kids, which was not planned for a sequel whatsoever. They just thought right. it was a funny line. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like the, yeah. the Joker card was just a cool idea. Okay. Interesting. I saw it strictly as setting up the sequel. Oh, really? Um, I did. And I felt like, and I mean, it gave us a lot to think about in the... And the three years between the two movies, um, it kind of gave the fans something to clamor for and all that, um, and speculate. It was, it was, it was, it was, I hesitate to say that it's a good marketing tool, but it, it functioned as a good marketing tool. But let's, let's get away from that. Let's talk about the Dark Knight, because <laughs> <laughs> we kind of went on a tangent there. And we, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight has been called the greatest thing. <laughs> it's been referred to as better than Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reviews, of course, from my cousin who's seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. It's awesome. It, it's awesome. It really is. It's when it was being when it was being hyped up and everything uh, pre-release. People were saying that it's it's one of the best crime movies since Heat or uh, um, or, or Goodfellas, I guess, or, or another crime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that just got me so amped up for it and so excited for it yeah. because, I mean, it looked amazing. And it does look amazing. Um, and it was amazing. I've always said that it is, it is very much a crime thriller that just happens to feature Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so cool. much. I mean, it is not a comic book movie. It is not a superhero movie. Right. It's a crime thriller featuring Batman and Batman characters. Right. I feel like it can't be defined as one thing. I think it's too it's too dynamic of a film to be classified by by common common nomenclature. I think it's it has to be its own it's its own classification really. Um mm-hmm. that's how that's how good it's a psychological thriller, it's a it's an action movie, it's it's a crime movie, it's this and that. It's so many things that you can't you can't just put it into one box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I think it's pretty clear that the three of us all thought it was better than Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah. Is that true for you guys? I had a friend yeah. who loved Breaking uh, Breaking Bad, who loved <laughs> Batman Begins so much that he thought Batman Begins was the better movie after seeing The Dark Knight. Wow. Yeah. So and he's I, the one. And I tried to see. He is the one. Yeah. I tried <laughs> to see his point. Uh, and I and I he said that he liked the 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 plot of the first one. He thought it was very cool the way it was uh, intertwined and how the how the blue lotus flower came back toward the end and and mm-hmm. the fear and all that stuff was very cool. Um, and he's right in that the Dark Knight is not about plot. You know, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a character driven piece, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of gave him that. But as a character driven piece, it's such a better movie. Mm-hmm. True. Near I perfect. Agree. I mean, it's a near perfect movie. Agreed. It that that's an interesting point that you bring that up because it's, I think for at least for us, at least I'm I'm assuming for us that it's it's so hard for us to look at to juxtapose those two movies objectively because Dark Knight has just it's just overtaken the trilogy and become 
its own thing. It's mm-hmm. it's not a. It's almost yeah. like it's not a. It's it, they don't they actually don't they don't even call it the Batman trilogy. They call it the Dark, the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. That. So yeah, and I think uh, I'll, I'll let Matt talk about this. But you said that mm-hmm. it's a character driven story, Mike, and that's right. It's Matt, after I think after we saw it the first time, Matt and I saw it um, in the theater. Matt said that it was it was the Joker's movie. That's it, it wasn't was. a Batman movie. It was a Joker yeah. movie. So, so Matt can talk about and that. It was, it was it was definitely the Joker's movie, and it was also Heath Ledger's. And yeah, it was. I mean, he was just phenomenal. I mean, he just he was just incredible. Um, and just the way that the way that the character was written was just perfect. I mean, it was just a perfect. I, I think I used this comparison before, but it was a perfect blend of just actor uh, an actor performing at his height mm-hmm. for a director and writer who is also kind of who's also kind of at at his peak at the time mm-hmm. um and it was just this beautiful blend of just just absolutely astonishing performance um and, and direction and i mean there's so there's so much to the joker to the performance of it, at least to, to, to Heath Ledger's performance, that it was just you you have to see it several times to really appreciate the the amount of work that went into that creating that character, like that scene where he uh, he has the newscaster, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's the newscaster, and he's he has the handheld camera and he's he's taunting him and all that. Or no, no, no not news. It's, it's a Batman it's, impersonator. It's the Batman, Batman impersonator. impersonator. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. My bad. When he has the Batman impersonator and he has the handheld camera, I mean, like, there's so much, like, that, you can, that's the best, like, they, they really created the, the sense of fear that the Joker has, like, this, he's this wild, chaotic being, and he's, like, he's taunting this, this helpless guy who's just, I mean, he's a little crazy because he's dressing up like Batman, but mm-hmm. he's also, I mean, he's well-intentioned, but... Well, Batman's a little crazy, but that's that's a whole <laughs> other conversation, but go ahead. Yeah. Right, go right. Ahead. But, in the, in I swear, like, I've seen the movie I, countless times. I mean, I could count the times, but I've seen it so, an obscene amount of times. And just about every single time, whenever the Joker says... Uh, when he's taunting the guy and he's like, look at me! <laughs> it just startles me every time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I've gotten, to the, I've gotten into the habit of yelling that at my nephew. My sister doesn't really like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that movie made, um, my numbers could be off here, $7 trillion? <laughs> I think it was seven and a half. Seven, seven and a half trillion dollars. So it yeah, made a bunch yeah. of money. Uh, and then, of course, it spawned a billion uh, Joker Halloween costumes for years yeah. to come. <laughs> and I remember in a weird way having this strange aversion to that. Like huh. like so many emo kids, and I hate to use the phrase because that's, that's uh, so yeah. stupid, but so many emo kids, scene kids, whatever, dressing up mm-hmm. as the Joker like that was the only good thing in the movie. And that really bugged oh, yeah. me because it's not. Because there's so much more to the movie. And as much yeah. as I loved the joker and and as much as he deserved his posthumous oscar and as much as mm-hmm. as much as he did steal every scene he was in my favorite line is toward the end uh when commissioner gordon yes. or yeah i guess he's commissioner by then says mm-hmm. uh um 
people deserve to have their faith rewarded. I love that. I, I love that that's, mm-hmm. that's Batman's whole thing. While the movie is the Joker's movie, um, what Batman is trying to say in this movie is that people, people shouldn't fear all the time like they did in Batman Begins. And there is chaos, but sometimes, sometimes there needs to be someone there to just say it's okay. Even when it's not, to just make people feel better, to make people's lives easier. It goes back to... It goes back to Batman caring about this city and just wanting what's best for the people in this city. Right. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, I agree. So lots um, of f- funny enough. <laughs> let me tell one quick anecdote. And I'll, let, I'll let you okay. talk. Uh, f- funny enough, I said um, anybody who still dresses as a Joker is is a douchebag or something like that. And uh, and the woman I'm about to marry dated a guy who dressed as the Joker. And so I was kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like I that nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. A little personal victory. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, I never once dressed like the Joker. Yeah. Uh, one thing that a lot of people bring up when they talk about the Dark Knight is uh, the comparison of Jack Nicholson's Joker to Heath Ledger's yeah. Joker. Thank you for and bringing that up. I, I know a lot of people bring it up, and I just think, this is just my opinion, but I think I just don't think they're very comparable. I think they're two different characters when you when you think about it, because you know, uh, Jack Nicholson's was more of more of the comedic side of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Joker, as well as he, he had a dark side as well, obviously. But it, he, they emphasized the comedic, the joke telling, the one liner Joker, as opposed to mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's was they emphasized the psychosis and the the mania of the character as opposed to the 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 actual joking side the, the comedic side of it and I, I it's just they're two different characters really mm. and i don't i don't think you need to pick a favorite really i don't think you need to say one is better than the other um that's just how i feel about it what what do you guys think i agree and i would like to kind of extrapolate that to um the entire i hate i hate this word so much but I'm not so, I hate this word, but the entire Nolan verse of, of Batman, um, because people compare it to like, I mean, there's comparisons to Schumacher's Batman's to, to Burton's Batman's, but they're not comparable at all because it's like Nolan has created this, this world, this, this, this Gotham world that's, that's very much, um, his own thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's his own vision of it. It's not he it can't be compared to the kind of there there's kind of a comic book renaissance of comic book movies i guess mm-hmm. um or at least this is the golden age of it i guess but mm-hmm. like people take it more seriously and it's partly because of nolan mm-hmm. um it's just more grounded in reality and you can't really compare the two you know what's um, interesting is what it can be compared to it more so than the uh the tim burton and the Joel schumacher versions uh, films is the are the comic books these mm-hmm. are certainly more faithful to the comic books in particular the killing joke uh in the killing joke the joker we get an origin but it's also a vague origin and multiple i've origins. also i've actually read that one yeah it's 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 really good uh it ends weird it ends with like batman and the joker just laughing at each other but uh but you right. get that in the joker you get the two versions it's also mm-hmm. based on uh loosely on the long halloween uh-huh which is kind of the uh, de-evolution of, of Harvey Dent into Two-Face, which we haven't even mentioned yet. Okay. And, and I yeah, love. yeah. Wow. What did you think of uh, Aaron Eckhart, guys? It's great. 
He yeah, awesome. he he was very good. I think I, I will say I think that character could have been played by any number of actors. Whereas, sure. whereas the Joker was so so inherently Heath Ledger's uh, mm-hmm. that you know it's it's easy to. I, I just think it, it could have been played by any number of actors, but it could have also been played very poorly by any number of actors. But mm-hmm. Aaron, Aaron Eckhart clearly had his had his heart in that that role and i remember i remember reading in interviews so many people focused on the joker in that and heath ledger and stuff like that they they focused on that with that film and i remember reading an interview with aaron eckhart where he was just so he was so happy to be there because yeah. um well because not not because you know he was he wasn't necessarily a household name at the time but because his favorite actor is gary oldman oh yeah oh, that's awesome he, he he just i remember him being in the interview just saying Every chance I got, I was asking Gary about. I was asking him about Sid and Nancy. I was asking him about you know True Romance. I was asking him about just what he does to be an actor. And nice. I think he, at one point he said, "I think the guy kind of hates me now." But <laughs> um, it was just really, I really appreciated Aaron Eckhart after after I read that that interview hmm. that he gave. So yeah. I, I, I like the guy. I think he's great. I, I yeah. will say I liked him. Uh, I liked him as Harvey Dent better i think than two-faced he he played just a guy pretty well uh but when he was going around Mm -hmm. roughing up all the suspects i feel like when he would get angry it it was a little over the top a little bit yeah Yeah, maybe it wasn't his strong suit but he didn't i wouldn't say he ruined it or he didn't i i think he did it justice but not not as well as maybe somebody else could have maybe yeah i agree yeah um but anyone anyone in that role would have been under the shadow of heath ledger totally yeah um true so yeah um yeah any anything else about dark knight or should we move on i mean there's there's so there's so much we could devote yeah we could do a Uh, review and then just talk about every little aspect and talk yeah um i i do want to mention that it, it is the movie of the three I know there were several scenes in Batman Begins filmed in Chicago and very few I think of the Dark Knight Rises filmed in Chicago if any none uh but the bulk the bulk of the Dark Knight was filmed in Chicago and I just mm-hmm. love it because I'm I'm such a Chicago homer uh mm-hmm. and just like when they're when they're going down to what do they call it lower 5th or whatever it's so clearly lower Wacker Avenue and and just like really? the city skyline when he's up on top of the buildings it's it's just mm. awesome it it um, I, fe- <laughs> I feel like Batman is saving my city because I because I recognize <laughs> all the buildings and, awesome. and the streets and things. It's, it's that's great. great. Um, nice. and and the scene where where the Joker is escapes from the prison and he's driving around and the music cuts out except for the the Joker note, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's just waving his hair in the wind and all that stuff. It is 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 the streets of Chicago. It feels like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> it really does. I I agree. I, I when I watched it, I felt it felt like Chicago. It didn't look like Chicago. Mm-hmm. It felt like Chicago. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree. Interesting. Exactly. Which I don't know if that's a good thing. I I guess <laughs> you know Batman Begins felt like Gotham. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that. I feel like Batman Begins was the best depiction of Gotham as as something that uh, that you can't really put a finger on. And I like that they changed the places in in all three movies where they filmed. You know, uh, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. was was the last one. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Batman Begins was very Gotham-y. Yeah. True. 
I agree. Um, yeah, I can only hope that Superman versus Batman is filmed in Indianapolis so that I can feel <laughs> like it's saving my city. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, shall we uh, move on to Inception? Let's totally. Inception. Next up is 2010's Inception. Uh, it's I I loved it. Um, all its faults. It has some faults, but I feel like, despite its faults, it's also nearly perfect in its entertainment value. Like yeah. it is. It is one of my Desert Island movies. I would I could watch this movie from beginning to end at any time. If I come across it on TV and I see it playing, I will watch it through to the end. Um I just I I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the story of for those on for the two people who haven't <laughs> seen it or don't know about it. It's about a team of it's 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 a sci, sci-fi heist movie that takes place in in uh people's minds pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what did you guys think of Inception? Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> you always defer to me. I do. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> it's, um, if I had to rank, it would be, it would be behind the dark Knight, but pretty high up there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to give it to this movie for the bendiness of it. Uh, I also like the performances more than a lot of the other movies uh if you if you kind of take heath ledger out of the dark knight I, th- I think uh the performances as a whole and in inception are better um mm-hmm. may- maybe i guess because i'm comparing the the main protagonist leonardo dicaprio to the main protagonist in the dark knight christian bale which which doesn't get a whole lot of play in the dark knight uh but i love i love leonardo dicaprio in that movie um I love the twistiness. the The only thing uh, to its detriment is its runtime <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the other movies I've seen several times, and I just sometimes don't. I, I'm not able to squeeze in a two and a half hour flick as much as I would love to. You know, just watch this if it were on TV. I can't mm-hmm. dedicate that much time to it. I wish <laughs> I could because it's such a great movie. But uh, I've, I've I've seen it significantly fewer than a lot of the other movies. Interesting, hmm. tiny. Um, I, I, I love Inception. It holds, uh, it holds a special place in my brain, not my heart, because it <laughs> absolutely it destroyed my brain. It was, it was the second time that Nolan, really, you know, reached in and jumbled my brain. Um, I, I think it's, as far as structure goes, I think it's Nolan's best work. Um, which is a, a very bold statement, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but like like Mike said, it's it's not flawless because it's very it's super exposition heavy. Uh, yeah. It kind of has to be. But the the, the runtime of it is 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 a factor as well. And I think not just the fact that it's that it's two and a half hours, but when you look at the first act is really long. The first act is like an hour long. It's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. it actually, it's, it's to the point where they, they get all the way into like the final dream and there's like 45 minutes left in the movie. It's, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's just way too long. There's too much talking. It's, it it is, it is, it does, it does have flaws, but I think 
even those flaws are pretty cool <laughs> to hear <laughs> to hear him talk about it and and explain explain everything is still really cool especially the first time you watch it it's it's a detriment to it on repeat viewings because you know what you already have all yeah. the information but uh it's still just an amazing film um besides the once you get past that first act the pacing is just unreal the amount of the amount of intense action and drama that they pack into the last hour of that movie is borderline unprecedented in my opinion mm-hmm. just how much they were able to cram in there um it's it's an amazing film and it's it's something that you can watch you can every time you watch it you pick up something new um, and I think that's that's indicative of only a few films ever. Honestly, uh, two thousand one mm-hmm. Space Odyssey comes to mind. Every time you watch it, you pick up something new from it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's that is a special mark that very few films can achieve. I agree. Um, it's funny you say that about it being too long, both of you, because I I feel like it's a very tight two and a half hours. Um, the actual heist that goes on doesn't start until, like, like you said, it's uh, about an hour in because um, mm-hmm. the first act is all set up and all that. But once that starts, I mean, it's just boom. I mean, I'm just in for – I'm strapped in and ready to go. It is It is it, a rocket ride from there. It is. Yeah. It does go. I didn't I didn't mean to say that it drags. Um, okay. You, and, I, and I don't think Tiny is either. I think he's just uh, kind of saying – you know, like the first hour of it is is pretty long exposition. I got and, you. And then it is hard to say. I'm going to sit around. I'm going to sit down for two and a half hours uh, when you when you know what's coming. For me, it literally yeah. is just I have trouble watching a two and a half hour movie anymore. Right. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, but with I mean, I just I just feel like it's it doesn't feel like a two and a half hour movie. I understand time constraints and all that, mm-hmm. but I just I mean I I. I love it. I didn't have a problem with the length of it, um, which is bizarre for me because I usually am one of those guys that's like, oh, this is two and a half hours. Oh, okay. Um, but I just – and I loved it. And even with the exposition heavy stuff, I mean there are lines where I just – I anymore – I've seen the movie several, 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 several times. Um, and there's lines now that they're so – there's the only purpose – behind them is to be exposition and it's it's such the ratio of exposition to actual like dialogue is is staggering i mean it's it's kind of it's it's way too high like there's too much exposition in it um and this goes back to it just being a summer blockbuster for uh trying to appeal to a mass audience because i honestly i don't think it's that hard to follow um i really don't and it, it was just I feel like it could have been, it could have been cut out. Like, um, one of the cringiest lines in that movie is toward the end when they're at the at the fortress, at the snow fortress or whatever. Uh, which I, having seen, having now seen a uh, Honor Majesty Secret Service, I kind of love that nod to uh, Bond that uh, mm-hmm. that Nolan did. But um, there's a scene where where Maul is in the fortress and. Cobb and Ariadne are looking and he has the gun, he has the sights trained on her as she's, as she's about to shoot, uh, um, uh, Killian Murphy. Um, and 
there's or there's guys surrounding her or there's guys surrounding Killian Murphy and he's picking them off. That's what it was. He's picking off the henchmen as they're trying to get to Killian Murphy. And Ariadne's like, are you, are you destroying parts of his subconscious? And he's like, no, they're just projections. They're not part of that. And it's like, yeah. we've been watching this movie two, for two hours, dude. We don't need that. Right. We don't. Yeah. We don't need that line. Those are Good those point. are reminders. Yeah. I call those reminders. Yeah. Just for the for the people who haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Right. And I feel like, I feel like, uh, um, I just I just feel like that. If you pay attention, I feel like. Uh, your faith should be rewarded. Um, yeah, people deserve it, that. It don't kind they? of wasn't. <laughs> um, uh. Matt mentioned that some, some people think it's hard to follow, and I I agree with what you said that it's not it's not hard to follow, but it does require a lot of effort to follow it. I'll put it that way. It you, does. You have to be yeah. sure. very involved to follow it, and there are a lot of people who don't want to do that when they go see a movie. Um, mm-hmm. especially a big blockbuster summer movie like this, um, which we mentioned earlier about how Nolan can blend those two things really well. I think that was Mike, yeah. Mike's point. but And that is that is true. I, I agree. This is probably one of the best examples of blending those two things. But mm-hmm. some people just don't want that when they go see a movie like this. And, for example, I, I feel like I'm our, our, token, uh, our token gender reference guy. <laughs> but I, I have yet to meet a woman who enjoyed the film. Um, really? My mom, my mom watched it. it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. My mom liked it a lot. Interesting. So it must just be me then. Because <laughs> like, my mom watched it, didn't like it. Uh, several of my aunts and my cousins, uh, a lot of other, like some of my friends, girlfriends and wives, they watched it and just, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't think it was bad or anything. They were just like, yeah, I didn't like it. It was just too, it was crazy. Huh. And yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I, I guess it's just me. Well, yeah, it is. I, it's just my mom <laughs> for the most part. Uh, huh. But that is interesting, and I and I agree. That's a that's a that's a discussion on gender. Um, yeah. So you know. Yeah, and it's I, not necessarily. Well, I almost said it's not necessarily a guy movie, but I mean, we talked about his uh, Nolan's gender. Um, the way the way he write he writes genders in a very clear way I guess yeah, um, yeah. but I, I feel so, like yeah. I feel like it's not when, when you talk about the film you can say you, you can say that it has a very very intense love story in it you know because it, it sure. does but mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's obviously it's it's one sided you know it's it's only from the male perspective really right because she's dead. But she's also kind of alive at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. It's so it is. A, it's a very unique. It's it's a very unique love story, well, yeah. and I think I think it's a one sided one. So we could we could uh, ask my fiance what she thinks. Ah, oh, yeah. Do you okay. want to get her in here? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Ask her. All right, let's ask her. Okay. Hey, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> really fast. I like it. So Amanda, uh, as a woman, and Amanda is my fiance, by the way. As a woman, what did what did you think of Inception? You didn't like it, right? I did not like it, and I probably will never see it again. Holy cow! <laughs> wow, never oh see it again. Bold statement. Yeah, you won't yeah. even give it a chance. I'm a very bold person, <laughs> <laughs> but not bold enough to watch the movie. No, I. Uh, 
I was saying uh, to Mike before that whenever I saw it, I think my first mistake was seeing it at midnight. And uh. if you know anything about me, I cannot stay up very late, especially <laughs> a movie. I mean, it could be three o'clock in the afternoon. And if a movie's on, I usually fall asleep. <laughs> but with Inception, it was just such a, a complicated movie that it was just really hard to follow. Okay. Okay. Um, is that the only time you've seen it? That is the only time I've seen it. And I remember um, I remember the beginning and it just it didn't capture my attention right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of got bored with it and I fell asleep for a little while and I woke up and I saw the ending and <laughs> I missed a, probably a pretty good chunk, but I could, I could piece together the entire movie just in general, even though I missed a big old chunk, but I mean, I mm-hmm. knew the gist of what happened. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm, you got all the, uh, the intricacies and stuff. I, yeah. I think I did. i mean maybe not because maybe that's why i don't like it that much but i don't know it's almost too um intricate for me okay okay Okay. i I made the point that that you know it's it has a i feel like it has something in it for the female audience because there's a very intense love story in the movie um you know this guy goes the extra mile to essentially keep keep his dead wife alive so that he can spend time with her um so I, whenever i explain the movie to to a woman or something i say you know it has a really good love story in it so there's something in it for everybody it's 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 for it's not just a, a guy movie or whatever hmm. so does, I, I does don't know. that That's, make you want to see it at all amanda yeah no. Be, mainly i think because it's i don't know there's just the the complication of the movie complicatedness of the movie <laughs> is heavier than the romance story so it's not while it i think that that might pull in some uh, female audience for me it just it was not nearly enough it, and and not that i like i'm not a chick flick crazy kind of person or anything i like good movies but just for me okay. Just overall, Inception was not was not hitting the spot. <laughs> um, but then you also you mentioned. I mean, it was a midnight showing, and you were tired. So, yeah. were you? Let me ask you this: Were you excited to see it in no, any way? Okay, you weren't. I thought it would be cool. I mean, I would see the previews, and I thought that it looked really neat. You know, the graphics and stuff. So I guess I was kind of interested. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess. I guess if that preview came out today, I would say, yeah, that looks really neat, but I probably won't ever see that movie. I Just see. because for me, it's it's not my kind of movie. I like, mm-hmm. um, I don't like movies that it takes you so long to try to figure out what's going on. Right. And then the, the whole ending thing where it's just a big debate as to what happens, that's just <laughs> yeah. not my kind of movie. For For mm-hmm. Amanda, I think, and... What I what I kind of get from being with her for a couple of years now is uh, is that she for her a movie really is about the escapism, okay. You know what okay. I mean as a as a relaxation point, okay. And I and I think when they when she has to do too much work, it's <laughs> it's like work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see. Definitely. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense actually. So. Um, Amanda, have you ever seen Memento? <laughs> I have not. Okay. I'm not okay. sure I even know what that's about. 
Yeah. What do you think of The Dark Knight? The Dark Knight I like. And I saw that at midnight. Yeah. So that I huh. think that says something, right? Huh. Yeah, I did like it. That's the only I I think I've tried to watch Batman Begins like thirty times and I always fall asleep. But The Dark Knight <laughs> I, I saw a couple times and I liked it. Interesting. But cool. I also had a big crush on Heath Ledger. Uh huh. So, oh sure. As the Joker. The Heath Awkward. Ledger. Who did it? Weird. So it's it's not so much that that the movie that Inception didn't have any. It wasn't the fact that it doesn't really have anything for women. It's just the fact that it wasn't really your thing, I guess. Yes, not my yeah. kind of movie at all. Okay, cool. So you okay. you can't speak for women as a gender. Right. Right. Probably not. I mean... Do you know any girls who... I don't know. I don't know anybody that said they loved it. Maybe my sister liked it more than I did, but... I mean, it's definitely not a movie that women talk about, I think. Right. <laughs> I think we can all agree that, yeah, it's a, a good movie... But okay. wouldn't put it on like a, you know, a favorite list. No. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Huh. Well, thank well, you for joining us, Amanda. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you very much. I love you, and I'll see you in a little bit. Ah, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> uh, stop it. Goodbye. All right. Well, we've reached the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, it's the end of the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, the 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 legend, as it, as it was called. Um, a lot of, as with any third entry in a franchise or in a trilogy, they there was a there was a lot of divisive um, opinions about it, and yeah. so I'm I'm actually very eager to talk about this one with you guys because I I loved it. I, it wasn't quite as good as The Dark Knight, and it kind of suffered in that um, The Dark Knight. What made like what was The Dark Knight? What made it so great was for me was. Heath Ledger as Joker was just phenomenal, and uh, and Tom Hardy as Bane, he was just I, I thought he he knocked it out of the park. And what and I said this to Tiny after we saw after we saw it the second time um, at IMAX actually was that it's his uh, his performance is so people make them people people remark that Tom Hardy's performance is is hampered by the fact that he's wearing a mask but i think that that enlivens his performance slightly because you can see you can see his his emotion he emotes strictly from about 30 percent of his face mm-hmm. um and it's all in the eyes like if you see in the in the movie he doesn't blink hardly at all like he blinks maybe in two scenes and it's very emotionally driven scenes mm-hmm. um so i just i i loved it I loved the movie. Thought it was very uh, a fitting end to it. Um, what do you guys think? You want to defer to me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I loved it too. I had a lot to say about it. I remember uh, the the morning after. I don't even know that I got a full eight hours of sleep after that midnight. Uh, hmm. But I we got on Matt to make a point to uh, to Skype each other and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and I had a lot to say. I really, really, really enjoy the movie. I love it. I, I think I would put it above um, Batman Begins in in the list of the th- the three movies if if we're doing that. I don't know that that matters, but I think uh, I would too. Yeah, um, and and as a whole, it's great. My big problem with it, and the thing that bugged me the most, uh, was people's reaction to the ending. <laughs> yeah, it really, totally. really, really bugged me. The squeals in the theater. When when they called uh, when they called Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin, 
when he says use my use my real first name Robin. That bothered yeah. me so much. And I kind of got over it because I, you know, I talked it out with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and I like the idea that essentially John Blake was being Robin throughout the movie, mm-hmm. you know, he was a sidekick. Um but I di- I didn't like the that people thought that Bruce Wayne would come back as Batman and he would be Robin and now Robin is going to be Robin even though his name is Robin and no Robin has ever been actually named Robin. It was just a mess. <laughs> uh and I thought it was um and I and I analyzed it in two ways. I thought at first that it was um Nolan just like paying fan service and saying here's here's Robin, let's see what you think of that. But I also think it's his way of the the whole time leading up to the movie he was saying that there would be no Robin in my movies. It's kind of mm-hmm. like saying, well, yeah, there is Robin, not the Robin you were looking for. You know what I mean? Like all you True. get is that some guy's first name is Robin. I think it was almost like a jab at those people who wanted it so badly. Absolutely. It's, yeah, I'm a little back and forth with it. I think it's more I think it was more just a cheeky thing like, huh, hey, he's kind of Robin, so let's just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make him Robin. But I literally, I, it, I literally heard the reaction. Ooh, he's gonna be Robin. Oh, uh, people, and, th- and that was my that was my problem. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. That annoyed you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would have annoyed me too. I I didn't. My personal reaction was just I just when I saw it I just kind of laughed. I was like, huh, that's funny. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think I think that was the intention. Was it was just I don't even know if I would call it fan service. I just think it was like a fun. Just a fun little thing to throw in there. Just, sure. Yeah. You know, sure. that, that that's how I viewed it anyways. I mean, there, I was, didn't a, like... there was a gasp in the theater. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be Robin. I, I honestly, I didn't like the, uh, I didn't like the, the fans being like, well, uh, no, he's John Blake. He's not Robin. That was, that was like the, they, it seemed like it was just totally, um, like it ruined the movie for them that the character's name is actually Robin. Mm-hmm. The kind of the kind of because there was some outcry about that, and I felt like that was more like I, I'm just like this is this is Nolan's Batman saga. It's not very factual. To it's not very. It's a loose adaptation of the it's comics. Not, not, it's not canon. It's not accurate. To, yeah, yeah. It's not. Right. They're not going for accuracy, and just because a character is in spirit Robin and in name doesn't mean that he needs to be dick grayson or or whatever and even more he's not going to be robin he is almost yeah. certainly going to be batman right right you know or yeah. or or an interpretation or whatever of batman. right 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 people yeah. people uh, said oh what about nightwing and, and then yeah. it was like well okay i guess yeah. some interpretation How, of batman yeah yeah uh real briefly because we need to talk about the actual movie um <laughs> also uh how did you, Mike, you specifically, or both of you, how did you feel about what if, what if, uh, I mean, it's moot, it's moot now, but how would you have felt if they had said, we're going to have Joseph Gordon-Levitt play Batman in the Justice League movies and we're going to have it, um, have it tie in with the Nolan universe? Big, big I problem. really, see, my, my bias towards joseph gordon levitt would be excited because i mm-hmm. i think he's a fantastic um so i i would be excited in in that for that but i 
it would be kind of silly, I guess. I guess for continuity reasons, it would be kind of cool, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I would like it, but I, I don't know if I'm really the best authority to comment on it, so right. I will I will defer to Mike. Yes, <laughs> our resident comic book yeah. nerd. Yes. Um, as much as I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, to to start a Justice League franchise with a with a starting movie, it would really mm. lack something if your if your Batman was not Bruce Wayne. Severely, it would severely lack something. That's Good true. Point. If that was the case, <laughs> and and I and I don't, th- I think it would be very unwise to do that because I think more, even casual fans would cry foul that yeah. that Bruce Wayne is is not Batman at the at the start of a Justice League movie. You know, mm-hmm. Bruce true. Wayne founded the Justice League, so that you, you know, that's just they would, plenty of people would cry foul. Fair point. Yeah, okay. I just like the idea of. Joseph Gordon-Levitt being in anything, really. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, like too. I said, I would love to see, you know, while the origin is not the way I would like to see it, if they just mm-hmm. said, hey, we're going to do Nightwing or whatever, I would watch right. it. Or or if it was like uh, John Blake's Batman, I would watch that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, so let's get, let's get into the meat and bones of the actual movie. Um, Gotham Under Siege... I personally just loved that. I thought it was a great a great bookend to a trilogy that um was very much about uh Bruce Wayne um fighting for the survival of his city. Yeah. And I felt like seeing that city just completely destroyed and at its deepest depth or at the at its at its hardest at its most rock bottomness. Um <laughs> Was just, I thought it was a, a, a very ballsy and, and just really, really interesting way to way to go about concluding a trilogy. Yeah, you. I, I like the way you you said that that he had to save Gotham because mm-hmm. in the first film he prevents an attack. In the the second film, he stops an attack that's in progress. You know mm-hmm. where. Uh, essentially the joker's trying to hold the city hostage and in the third film he's trying to reverse a successful attack mm-hmm. you know it's the city's lost it's gone he has to save it you know it's it's very they're they're very it's a very uh a very tight progression of of risk to the city of gotham it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a it, it's a it's an evolution that, that the the plots go through it's it's you know it's prevention it's and then it's saving and it's 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 all these different it's it's, they're very different but they're very similar uh it it has both aspects to it that's Mm -hmm. that's what i liked about the the plot as far as the conflict plot of of the films the whole trilogy good analysis i I like that i Mm -hmm. like the idea of the the evolution of the city under siege and and uh Mm -hmm. bruce wayne batman defending uh defending stop lossing yeah <laughs> and then rebuilding right yeah progressively right. you know i like that That's i like cool. it a lot i like that i yeah. didn't intend it when i said it like that i didn't intend that uh analysis when i when i said saving the city but now that you say that that's that's spot on cool i like it mm-hmm. i like it and i'm gonna take credit for it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that i, I love seeing gotham that way too and i think mm-hmm. it was cool that they chose I think out of necessity more than anything, but they chose to shoot it in Pittsburgh instead of Chicago, like the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it felt like a different city when it was 
when it was under the rule of Bane, and huh. actually, it's te- if you want to be technical, it's under the rule of the people. Right, um, right. But you know, it, when it when it when it had descended into chaos, it was an entirely different city. So it was kind of cool that they shot it at a different city. That's true, That's and also, yeah. yeah, and also to point out, they also shot it out of tax reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and plus, I, I think Nolan's actual reasoning was they had literally shot every inch of Chicago. Yeah, so yeah. they just had they had nothing else to go on. Exactly. Yeah. I, it makes you wonder how much of that is rhetoric, like how much they're selling mm-hmm. that they want to make Gotham uh, uh, difficult to identify, and then how much of it was tax reason and this and that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. They, yeah. they definitely were like, well, we wanted to make sure that you couldn't say it's this or that or this, you know. But it's pretty mm-hmm. clearly Chicago in the Dark Knight, so yeah. So that's difficult. That's difficult for me to believe. Right. So, um, talk about real quick the. Uh, this is spoilers. You know, we're in spoiler country here, guys. Um, <laughs> Talia Al Ghul. Uh-huh. Um, something that I thought that I didn't pick up on this the first few times I saw it. And I don't think I even picked up on it until I saw it, someone mention it online. But when when she and Bruce are in, um, uh, uh, in his mansion and after they've just banged... Um, <laughs> She like she literally. This is before, obviously, before we know her true nature. She, they show her actually starting a fire in the fireplace. Like she stokes the fire and she starts a fire. And I hmm. just think that's hmm. that's a great visual foreshadowing or visual indicator of uh, of it. And it's the kind of depth that you don't really see in a lot of comic book movies. It's symbolic imagery. It's there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, the and uh, also the oh go ahead sorry go ahead what were you gonna say I was just gonna say I liked I liked the twist I didn't see it coming even though I should have because yeah me too uh, like the whole time I was like okay well all right Bane is uh, Ra's al Ghul's son I guess or, or yeah. whatever yeah um, I was like okay that's cool I mean yeah and I just never really struck with it it never really hit me that oh wait he did have a he did have a kid oh yeah there's a woman. Um, but I, I just, I loved it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I think My, even, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I was just going to talk about, uh, that it, the dark Knight rises had one of, if not my absolute favorite scenes in the entire trilogy, actually, please be the scene I'm thinking of. Go ahead. It's the scene where there is no music, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, Batman and Bane fight for the first time. The oh, yeah. it's just awesome. It's so it's, awesome how he tears him down, and it's it's so it's so real looking that mm-hmm. I suspect somebody got roughed up. Yeah, I yeah. I in my I, it's it's probably my favorite sequence of the entire trilogy, and one of my favorite sequences of Nolan's entire career. Um, I just I just love it. It's just that the atmosphere, and what's crazy about it is I I've I've sang Hans Zimmer's praises. Mm-hmm a lot and uh and it's just amazing to me that there's none of him in that nothing right it's the the sounds of the sewer it's the sound of the water falling in the background it's the sounds of the punches it's just a really exactly a a really cool set too where where it's where it's set at and i i agree that I, i think it's um behind the zero gravity fight in inception i think it's nolan's best work uh in my opinion um and and I agree. It's 
a lot of if if you look at the um I, I think that that scene, the dialogue that Bane has in that scene is so haunting. It's like yes. that's it's almost like a horror scene mixed with a with an action scene about how he he talks about being born in darkness. Yes. He's being yep. both figurative and literal. Uh it's yeah. it's it's a really it's a very chilling scene on so it many is. levels. It's mm-hmm. hard to watch. Man, Sticks we've with mentioned you. we've mentioned horror a couple times. How great would a would a Chris Nolan oh. psychological thriller horror movie be? Oh yeah. man. Oh, That's a conversation be. for another it episode is. because <laughs> that would be great. I mean you, any uh, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um I um hmm. I will say my my initial th- I had a lot of feelings after after watching the movie mm-hmm. and I thought about it a lot. But as I thought about it more, it was uh it was it was a really good movie and I was satisfied with what they gave me, but it's not what mm-hmm. I it's not what I wished for after the dark night was over. I I think it was intentional uh I think it was intended that Heath Ledger would be back as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, of course, his death is even more haunting in the line in the Dark Knight when he says, "I think the two of us are going to be doing this for a long time." Right, and, and of course mm-hmm. they're not. That that's a bummer uh, mm-hmm. for more reasons than just the the world lost a great talent. Um, but to you know, to the movie universe. Um, but I was hoping to see like the Riddler. Oh man! I think that would have Dude. made for a really good twisty Nolan type plot. I wanted mm-hmm. so badly for the third movie to be where uh, Batman goes up against the Riddler. Riddler finds out who he is and taunts him through like yeah, just just plays a just plays this mind game with him right. and, and like I wanted I wanted Riddler to be a sadistic serial killer. Who is trying to frame Batman for the murders or whatever, and is just taunting him? And yep. I wanted I wanted it to be like a seven, like like seven, but uh, in Batman. Yeah, um, I uh, I just wanted a good depiction of the Riddler. As much as I love Jim Carrey, and I and mm-hmm. I actually kind of do like Batman Forever, and I know and I know we don't like to compare the two series, but right? I, I do like Batman Forever, but uh, but Jim Carrey's Riddler is essentially the Joker in a green leotard. Yeah, and and yeah. so to to get a to get a really good Riddler would be awesome, right? Right. Um, one of my I think one of my favorite parts about the uh, the film is how how Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne's attitude towards his role his 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 dedication to the city of Gotham. He says throughout the film, or he he implies throughout the film that he feels like he needs to die in order mm-hmm. yeah. to, to fully, he feels like he has to make that sacrifice. And one of the things that I wanted from the film, um, it's what I wanted from the trilogy. I wanted, I wanted Batman to die. I that, that's actually what I wanted from, from the trilogy. Not, I realize as far as, you know, the comics that may not make a lot of sense, but I th- feel like for this trilogy specifically, I feel like he needed mm-hmm. to die. He did, and essentially, He did. It, that's what I was going to say. Essentially, that's what happened. Go ahead. I feel I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted Batman to die. And I think that's, that's what we got. But I think Bruce Wayne felt like he needed to die. He feel like, he felt like throughout the film that Bruce Wayne needed to die, but 
he didn't. It just had to be Batman. He 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 forgot that he forgot that he's a symbol. That Batman is a symbol, and that it can a symbol can be whatever you want it to be, right. and that he could he could achieve that through the death of Batman, and he didn't need to die himself in order to in order to achieve that. That's a really know. good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, I mean. Despite wanting wanting the Riddler, and like I said, um, that would have been a completely different movie. Obviously, um, I still feel like this was de- definitely a great end to to. A, uh, I would say soon, uh, almost iconic trilogy, um, in the long run, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think? In 10 years, 15 years, uh, do you think we will remember the trilogy or will people mostly just talk about the Dark Knight? It's a good question. I think I think people will talk about the trilogy because I feel like while the Dark Knight is so different from the first, I feel mm-hmm. like the last two, the two sequels complement each other so well and they're so similar that you know they're dark and gritty. They're all three of them are dark and gritty, but um, mm-hmm. the second the, the 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 two sequels have such a psychological aspect to them that I think people will just just accept all of them as like one long movie almost. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the two sequels will be will be viewed as like one long movie, in yeah. my opinion. So yeah. that's I feel like they'll talk about the trilogy as opposed to just the Dark Knight. Hmm. Okay. I think so too, and I think in the I think uh, in the long run. Nolan's legacy will uh, endure more than the than the trilogy itself. I think. I hope. That's my hope, at least. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, I think the lay. I think lay people will remember the trilogy, but as mm-hmm. far as the industry, I think they've already forgotten the Dark Knight Rises. I think. I think people <laughs> still remember the Dark Knight. Hmm. And that. And when you and when you point. hear famous people talk, <laughs> people who work <laughs> with the studios talk. It's they still just mention the Dark Knight, you know. True, true. and already yeah. I don't hear much about the Dark Knight Rises anymore. Yeah, good point. One, yeah. yeah, thanks. Hmm. One of the things I missed from the trailers was the um, <laughs> "You are as precious to me as you were <laughs> to your own mother and father." <laughs> I swore to them that I, I would protect you. I would protect you. And I and have it. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't in the movie. I wish it was. I, that's one of my main complaints with it is I wish that it was kept in the movie because I wish that. Because to have that in this in it and then have the ending with him crying at their grave, mm-hmm. that it would have it would have been tighter. The line. line totally fits. The line oh, absolutely. did not, to be, not need to be removed whatsoever. Yeah. It did. Yeah. yeah. It's strange. It's strange. It's too bad. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to bring up really quickly that we've had three adaptations of the Batman character. We've had, you know, Schumacher and Nolan and uh, Tim Burton. Uh, I, I think you couldn't really make the case that, you know, Nolan is not the best because it, it is. His interpretation's the quintessential mm-hmm. Batman. But I I also think that those other two interpretations have value in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's very easy to pick on the Schumacher ones Mm -hmm. because they're so silly, Mm -hmm. but 
if you if you watch those movies, they were never intended to be taken seriously. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. Arnold Schwarzenegger makes like seven freezing jokes yeah. in the movie. <laughs> There's no way that people were supposed to sit there and watch it as like this serious drama, you know. Yeah. So I feel like people kind of beat up on those a lot and, you know, it's most of it is warranted, but I still think, you know what, just sit back and have a little bit of fun with it. I don't think it's I don't think they're that awful that we need to treat mm-hmm. it as a redheaded stepchild, you know, just yeah. beat up on it, pick up on it all the time. Well, the way I, I think the problem, I think the main mm-hmm. issue people have is the stark contrast between those two uh Batman Forever and Batman and Robin in comparison mm-hmm. to the original Batman and then the the superior Batman Returns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those those are very dark in tone, uh pretty serious um and and that is a very stark contrast especially because they are direct sequels. Yeah. The way that the way I see it and I, this is based on um a conversation I had with a coworker of mine um and I I can't can corroborate his analysis of it but um he said that it was basically the studio saying, "Okay, we want to sell some Batman toys. So mm-hmm. let's uh, mm. let's make a movie." Toyification. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. So that could be at the heart of what's wrong with those movies. Yeah. But that's right. for another podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan successfully closed his, his trilogy, and now he's going to go do Interstellar and whatever else um, he has planned. And it's it's I feel like he did proper justice to the character – of Batman and the world that he created for that character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Definitely. That's yeah. good. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Chris Nolan. Yes. For all thank the you, Chris you. Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to be on a podcast, I mean, <laughs> you can, you can reach us. Yeah. We can work our schedules around you, Chris. <laughs> yes. If there's one podcast you do, do the nerdist. <laughs> Cause I, <laughs> Want to hear what Chris Hardwick has to say? That's but if you do too, yeah. but if you do too, <laughs> <laughs> you can contact us at Obsessive Viewer. All right, well, is that about wrap it up? Wraps it up. That's it. All right, sweet. Well, good talk, guys. Thank you. Awesome. We've always defined ourselves by the ability to overcome the impossible. And we count these moments. The first ever to fly faster than the speed of sound. These moments when we dared to aim higher, to break barriers, to reach for the stars. 76, you are go. To make the unknown known. We count these moments as our proudest achievements. Having fired the imagination of a generation. But we lost all that. Pulls into port. 
for the last time. Or perhaps we've just forgotten that we are still pioneers, that we've barely begun, and that our greatest accomplishments cannot be behind us, because our destiny lies above us. I don't know how else to explain it other than it's just it wasn't effective to me. I didn't have that I wasn't as into the the father daughter relationship as the movie wanted me to be, if that makes sense. You wanted a light show and a and a space fetus. No. <laughs> no. Nice. No, I did not. I wanted to feel emotionally connected to these characters and I just I just couldn't.